100 poitlous on the newcomers. 400 poitlous against the newcomers. 200 poitlous against. 500 for the newcomers. Contest by multiple elimination. Space. The final frontier. These are the recordings of the podcast Gimme That Star Trek. Its ongoing mission to explore all of Star Trek, to seek out new guests and new opinions, to boldly go where many have gone before. to episode 21 of Gimme That Star Trek, a proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm your host, Siskoid, and today we're doing something special, a Star Trek hero bracket fight. This, folks, is a battle royale between the 64 top heroic characters from every version of Star Trek. We pair them up, we discuss their merits, and the winner moves on to the next round until we have a single character left standing who can subjectively declare he or she is the best Star Trek hero of all time, in that moment. Uh, to help me with this, I'm joined by not one, not two, but four guests spread across North America's east and west coasts. We like to live near to the water. Let's meet them now. He helped me talk about the Federation's utopia in Give Me That Star Trek episode 10 from across town from me, but actually from across the table from me today. Fred Melanson, or Fred Melanson. Hey. Out in New England, you heard him compare Star Trek to Doctor Who in episode 11. It's Corey Drew. Hey, how's it going? Moving out west, now over in Oregon, it's episode 12's guest. We talked about the Bashir O'Brien bromance, Kurt Onstad. Hello. And our newbie, losing his Give Me That Star Trek virginity tonight, from California, USA, Derek William Crabb. How are you doing, Derek? Oh, yeah. Ready to, to pop my cherry with Star Trek. <laughs> uh, I hope, well, not with Star Trek, I imagine, but with the show. With the show. You're all yes, experts. Yes. You've seen every version of the show. Uh, which makes you competent enough to, to do this. Uh, <laughs> that remains to be seen. <laughs> so I hope you guys are excited about this. Uh, have you prepared in any way? I've been rewatching like key episodes of every uh, every series. Oh wow! Yeah, just to make sure that I'm competent on the character arcs. I did my my mental gymnastics, and then this morning I actually committed it to a Photoshop paper of your bracket where i was asking you if we could change our minds or anything like that and i i sort of set it in stone at least so i will know if i if i've gone back on my original thoughts but that's mainly what i did and then i think before i was like listening to music as i was doing that i was like listening to all the soundtracks and everything kind of to get me in the mood how about you kurt um not a whole lot of prep for me i've been re-watching next gen as part of a podcast i'm listening to not a part of, but, you know, just kind of in the back of my mind, been thinking about what my preferences are, but no, no real prep other than, you know, just my usual dives into rewatchings. Very good. And Corey? Uh, I've done nothing but prepare for this moment <clears throat> since I was four. So. <laughs> <laughs> now you at home can follow the bracket fight with the bracket sheet supplied at fireandwaterpodcast.com or at ciscoid.blogspot.com they're both there some of you send in your guesses for how this will all go and the player who got the most answers correct 
will win some Fire and Water podcast merch out of my pocket, people. Uh, <laughs> I will announce the winner at the end of the show. And before some of you scream bloody murder because uh, you just checked the sheet and your favorite trick character didn't make it in the top 64, <laughs> that could happen. I want to peel back the curtain and show you how the sausage was made. If the character's actor is listed in the opening credits of one of the shows, regardless of any other consideration, that character is included, obviously. Barring that, only goodies are included. Antagonists, even those who once served on a crew like Seska or Valeris, will be part of a completely different bracket maybe next year. If you're lucky, if you're good. Thirdly, characters must be part of the show's crew or be a civilian that lives or has lived on the ship or station that's featured in the show. Recurring guests like Loxana Troy just can't be included because of that. Uh, we will discuss characters, not actors. So, well, we can't talk about the actors, but really it's the characters are in the bracket. So if a character is played by different people, like the J.J. Abrams films, uh, they still count as one slot. So the participants are free to give points or remove points for either interpretation of the character. Uh, originally, I had uh, Spot and Porthos on there, I gotta say, but uh, I had to accept that it was impossible to have everyone, so if you like Spot, give Data extra points, for example. I've likewise cut the kids, so except for Jake and Wesley, who are you know obviously in the credit sequences, they fit criterion number one, uh, but people like Alexander, Naomi Wildman, the Borg children... Just couldn't fit on here. From there, it was a matter of who I and my guests thought was was or wasn't important enough or simply maybe didn't appear enough. So it breaks my heart not to include Ensign Cutler from Enterprise, for example. You might think the same of Samantha Wildman or Maud the Barber or uh, Mares from the cartoon series uh, or Mr. Kyle. Uh, I, I, I know I fought for Vic Fontaine. He's on here. And I know some of you are still... Maybe sore at me that he stole General Martok's spot. Um, <laughs> are there any others you wish had made it in? Uh, let's start with Kurt. Uh, well, you you kind of hit on it already. Martok, if there was a 65th, I definitely would have put him on there. He had such an interesting character arc in DS9, seeing him go from kind of an antagonist to... You know, more of a straight-on hero role. Yeah, but uh, so fr infrequently lived on the station. I mean, I mean, I, 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 whatever. I'm not going to defend it any further. Corey, is there a, a, a glaring omission for you? Not an omission so much. I, I guess there are probably about six spots on here I would have just given to Garak. Okay. <laughs> There's multiple Just to Garak's. include his odds. Yeah, just, you know. The many faces of Garak. Derek? I mean, we we did talk about the Martok thing. I know when, when it came down to the nitty-gritty, that's who I was sort of pulling for, so I, I think I would, again, just repeat that Martok was one of the guys I was kind of rooting for, but I also I also like that you mentioned like some of the, the animated filmation characters, because I, I definitely dig those characters as far as that goes. I mean, I guess you could extend it, if you're if you're getting really into the minutiae, you could extend it to, like, you know, novel characters, like, you know, Mackenzie, or mm -hmm. you know, stuff like that, you know, because you, you'd be like, oh, that guy's really cool, you know, so but since they're not in this bracket, like, I'm fine with it, but that would be kind cool to see you know a sort of expanded universe type characters involved in it too i guess yeah how about two years from now we do that bracket <laughs> yeah that's it <laughs> we can do the expanded uh fred anyone uh i cut that you loved um well i mean we we did discuss all of us uh keiko o'brien kind of like her but I, f I still felt that she maybe didn't deserve a spot on there above certain other 
people who uh, were fought for. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Keiko, uh, uh, I don't know. I like some of her arcs. You know, she represents the families of the people in Starfleet. I mean, it's, it's, it's the same for me. I lost the war on Morn. I wanted <laughs> Morn so badly to be on this. Uh, <laughs> and nobody else did. Yeah. So uh, that, that's the way the cookie crumbles. But I mean, it's 64 characters. So yeah, they're, they're, the ones that didn't make the list are kind of still pretty low on my list of favorite characters. <laughs> yeah. We don't have Landry from uh, Discovery, for example. I mean, yeah. some people had to go fair warning this is designed to hurt <laughs> a lot of characters yeah early on uh even round one has some tough choices a reminder that it takes three votes to move a character onto the next round but i want everyone to get their say and participants will get a chance to change their minds so if other panelists are particularly convincing you know it could happen well enough diplomatic pussyfooting around let's go to war block is called The Early Explorers, and it contains most uh, original series characters and Enterprise, Star Trek Enterprise characters. So we'll go around the table. Our first bracket is already, we're, we're in it. Two captains, James T. Kirk and Hikaru Sulu. Let's start with Corey. So Hikaru Sulu wins this one for me. Star Trek VI was a breakaway moment for him. It was amazing to see on screen. Obviously, the the sword fighting from the original series that's at the end of every episode. And then his spin in the uh, Kelvin verse, um, I think, is really, really cool. I mean, Kirk is archetypal, but for me, Sulu wins this one. All right. That's already uh, <laughs> an upset, maybe, in the making. Uh, what about you, Derek? Uh, I am a archetypal guy, so I, <laughs> I voted for Kirk. I love Captain Kirk. I mean, he's probably, you know, not, not to... Uh, you know, reveal my hand too soon, but, but Captain Kirk is one of my favorite Star Trek characters. I, I kind of love his, I don't like to lose, you know, I think Star Trek two, Wrath of Khan was super influential on me as a kid, as far as Star Trek goes. And, you know, then going back and watching the original series with my dad and everything. So like, I, I've always kind of associated the original series with sort of family and, and that kind of thing. So the, the, the personal connection for me is very strong as far as like the historical significance. I mean, he's Captain Kirk. I mean, like, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's, it's, you're kind of hard pressed not to point out, like, even if you go to any of these little wikia entries, it's like cadets are required to read his, his missions, his battles. He had the most first contacts for a certain amount of time of like any captain in Starfleet. And so you, you, you sort of got a lot of these kind of check boxes that you have going. Like, you know, Captain Kirk's got the look. He's got the historical importance. He's got the personality, you know, and, and of course for me, he's got my personal preference. So I, I can't help but to pick him. Yeah. I can't help but notice that your Skype picture is you standing with uh, William Shatner. Yeah, so, yeah. So that's I, I figured it was appropriate for this for this chat, you know. <laughs> Seems like someone got bribed. Uh, <laughs> uh, Kurt. Uh, well, I think I'm going to have to 
help with the upset here uh, because I went for Sulu. You mentioned Star Trek VI. I have a theory about the script on that that I'd love to go into at some time. The character has always resonated with me, and I know it's not supposed to be about the actors, but George Takei. You can't go wrong there. Everything he does is just spot on, and what he's done outside of Star Trek as well just pushed it into that choice for me. All right. Fred? Uh, this is a really tough one. Star Trek VI really does put Sulu, you know, in the spotlight and gives him, like, a great arc. Kirk, all, however, is kind of the poster boy for Star Trek. He's, he's like the Star Trek mascot. If you think Star Trek, you think James T. Kirk. So that's why my vote goes to Kirk. Okay, it's two to two. Yeah. And I am a well-known Sulu fan. This is going to be tough because... Oh, oh. oh, yeah, well, I've done a show on Sulu. I'm on record to saying that he's my favorite TOS character. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, I've got to acknowledge James C. Kirk's role in the franchise, and I don't know that I can upset people <laughs> at this early, <laughs> early stage by picking Sulu. I, I mean, Sulu is... A, I think you can. Well, you know, Sulu is my favorite character, but I like the bottom feeders. You know, I like the lower decks kind of characters. At the same time, you know, I've got to go in this, the more heroic character early on, the one that has more stories, the one who is archetypal and iconic, is Kirk... And I'm going to go with Kirk. Oh. Three to two. Uh, I'm not ready for an upset this uh, I guess. This early in the game. Well, you, you did <laughs> pit them one against the other at the first possible moment. <laughs> That's a good point. Oh, I'm not ready for an upset. Point. Let's uh, make the first battle an upset battle. <laughs> yeah. No one wants to change your vote? <laughs> Just to make it easier on me? No. No. Okay. Um, nope. <laughs> Kirk moves on is, is the thing, I guess. And I feel very badly about this. And I, I won't compromise ever again. <laughs> okay, let's let's look at the second fight. At the science station, the mentor and the student, Spock and Pavel Chekhov. Well, maybe easier, I don't know. Let's start with Kirk. If anyone remembers my answer from the Star Trek quiz you gave me at the beginning of episode 12, I answered that I love the outsider character, the one who comments on humanity from a different point of view. And that is, Spock is the archetype of that. He is the, he is the genesis of that. So I have to go with Spock on that. Nice pun on the genesis. Uh, You're right. (laughs) (laughs) That wasn't even intended. (laughs) Derek? I also would have to go with Spock. I mean, Spock is, is just as, archetypical for me with star trek and the the you know this the, some of the same reasons but also in terms of like historical significance i keep thinking of the characters that have permeated throughout the various incarnations and series so i mean i think of things like unification too it's like unfortunately i i don't think i see pavel Chekhov as being that all-encompassing and important to the franchise as a vast world, a vast universe. So I definitely have to give it to Spock. Corey? So I wasn't a fan of Chekhov until he went to Babylon 5. Then (laughs) I was down. Uh, So Spock, he is the heart and soul of Star Trek to me. I'm on record as having said it. He is the emotional center of the entire franchise. He's been in every iteration almost. He's been in a lot. And for me... Spock is 
he's where it's at. Okay. Ironically, the uh, emotional center. Uh, Fred? <laughs> well, you know, if Kirk is the face of Star Trek, then Spock is the ears and hand. <laughs> so I'm going to go for Spock. He's too important to the entire Star Trek mythos to not make it past round one. Yeah, this I agree. <laughs> this is a no-brainer for me. I've always disliked Chekhov. I like the <laughs> Chekhov in the Abrams movies. He's a very sweet character, and losing the actor is a tragedy. Yeah, Spock wins this one and moves to the next round. I'm writing it down. Okay, let's go down to Sig Bay. Leonard McCoy and Christine Chapel. Fred? McCoy. All right. Corey? Just- <laughs> yeah, McCoy. Bones. Derek? I'm a doctor, not a forklift. Kurt? Yeah, this is easy. McCoy. Yeah, this uh, this was bound to happen at some point. Chapel was maybe even a problematic character. Yeah. You know, the, the way she threw mm-hmm. herself at um, at Spock was, uh, yeah, very 60s. And they never really did much with her in the movie era either, so uh, she is uh, dropped from the list, and McCoy moves on. Sorry, Majel. She's in almost every iteration, <laughs> as at least at the, as the computer voice and um, she got pwned out. Uh, let's see. Uh, Red Shirts, who survived the series? Montgomery Scott and Uhura. So that this one's uh, this one might be more difficult. Certainly uh, more difficult for me. Uh, let's start here with... Um, let's start with Corey. So I think until the Kelvin-verse happened, it would have been a really clear Montgomery Scott for me. But I think Uhura grew as a character in the new films in a way that makes it impossible for me to extricate her from Star Trek, whereas I can imagine someone else as uh, the engineer. I can't imagine anyone replacing Uhura any longer. So, Uhura. Okay, nice. Fred? Yeah, I agree with Corey that um, Uhura did uh, gain a lot from moving out of the very sexist uh, TOS era, but that being said, I'm still voting for Scott. Okay, so one one vote on each side. Uh, Kurt? I tend to disagree with uh, the earlier statement of the Kelvinverse adding more to her. I thought giving her a love interest and making that the prime motivation for her character actually did her a disservice. So I, I have to go with Montgomery Scott on this one. He has had more character arc to him, more interesting episodes like the uh, the Call of the Wolf and Relics from Next Gen was just such an amazing episode. And he did such a great job in that one. So I have to go with Scotty on this one. How about you, Derek? I'm also going to go with Scotty, though I, I do tend to think what you were saying before about it being a difficult choice comes into play, because I, I, I tend to think of Nichelle Nichols' historical significance sometimes, and so, like, I was wrestling with that. But I think Relics being, you know, Scotty, the character, going into Star Trek's future, like, that held a lot of weight with me. And even wrestling with the whole Kelvin timeline, I kind of think, like, if Uhura is, quote-unquote, improved as a character in the Kelvin timeline, I kind of think it's, like, wax on, wax off with Scotty for me. Like, I don't... I I, I kind of like James Doohan, you know, better than Simon Pegg. So they, they kind of... Those factors kind of cancel each other out for me. And then I think what bumps it over the edge for me is, like, one of my favorite Star Trek comics from dc ever is the annual where they go into montgomery scott and his wife and it's drawn by kurt swan like i love that so i i think that for like a personal level and and you know a well-written peter david story like i think that bumps scotty over the top for me okay well it's i i too bad i was voting for uhura 
for sure. If when it's not Sulu, it's her for me. <laughs> the standout episodes are the Mirror Mirror, for example, those abs of steel. There's uh there's the unspoken attraction that or relationship that she and Spock have in TOS, which I've often mentioned that nobody else wants to see. Uh but uh <laughs> that it, it's there to for me. I love Uhura and I the historical importance is there. I mean, just that story about uh, Martin Luther King talking to her is um, it brings tears to my eyes each time I, I think of it. So that's a three to two for Montgomery Scott. Then Scotty moves on. I should have voted for Sulu. Okay. Now, uh, <laughs> 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 Let's go with two captains of the Enterprise that predate Kirk. So here we'd have Christopher Pike and Jonathan Archer. And Pike is really the only character we have from that original show uh, that didn't move on. We have Spock and we have Pike, and those are the only ones from the original pilot. Christopher Pike and Jonathan Archer. Derek. So this one was really tough for me. Like, I kind of love both these characters. Like, I, I kind of like them equally. So I guess my thought stance, I, I turned it into like a nitty gritty fight. And I was kind of like, well, Pike ends up in the chair with the little beep button. So I kind of ended up giving it to Archer because he basically founded the Federation and he did not meet an ignominious end. And so I, I think ultimately I went with Archer and then also to what you were saying before about Porthos giving more points, mm. like Porthos gives him like an extra free shot or whatever that bumps him over the top for me. So I went with Archer. Are there free shots in water polo? I don't know. Nobody knows. All right, Corey. So initially I was going to go with Archer because of Porthos, to be honest. But, uh, you know, giving it some thought, I think it's going to be Christopher Pike. Uh, he was the first appearance of a past uh, that all of these characters had for me. So it sort of grounded them in a real timeline initially for me, uh, just from where he places everyone else. Uh, I'm going to go with Christopher Pike. Okay. Fred? Yeah, this is kind of tough because it goes importance in the series and importance in the canon, whereas I think Pike is more important in the series, whereas Archer is more important in the Trek universe, if you want. Can I pass and come back? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Convince uh, me, guys. Convince me. Don't make it a habit. No. Uh, so, uh, Kurt? This was a no-brainer. I loved Enterprise, the show. I loved Scott Bakula, the actor. I loved Porthos. I loved Jonathan Archer. Easy call for me. You want your turn back? For sure. <laughs> I'll, I'll go for Archer. Okay, well, it's three votes for Archer, and that's also who I'm giving it to. I think Archer is... I mean, we saw him develop over four years, Yeah. Uh, and I do like him. I like Scott Bakula, for sure. Maybe an undervalued show and captain. So uh, Archer moves on. Okay, well, who's next? The aliens aboard the NX-01. T'Pol and Phlox. Let's start with Fred this time. I'm going to go for Phlox. I always like the quirkier characters. Uh, I think Phlox really brings that quirk to the show. Corey? Phlox. He's weird, and I like it. Derek? I'm going to go with Phlox because I really like John Billingsley as an actor. I think he's terrific on that show. So I'm, I'm definitely going to give it to Phlox because you, I, I think he does a great job of maybe possibly in a scenario where you, you might have a sense of, I don't know, like xenophobia, like be afraid of the unknown, the alien, the different. And, and he makes it feel homely and loved and accepted and i i don't know i just think he's a really he, he has a warmth to him that is 
unparalleled on the show, so I'm giving it to Phlox. Kurt, four for Phlox on this one. Uh, normally, I, I love the Vulcans, but Phlox, it, as everyone said, is just such a warm, fun character. He feels like someone you'd actually want to hang out with. Most of the characters are so serious all the time that you rarely get a sense of what they'd actually be like in real life. But Phlox is, is right there. Uh, all the time with that smile of his. That yeah, that's four votes for Flocks. I would also vote Flocks. It's it, less about Flocks than it is about T'Pol, who I thought was a, a difficult character to like, at least initially. I think she gets a better mm-hmm. fourth season. Yeah. Uh, but using her as a sort of sex spot, a sort of seven of nine for Enterprise, is really uninteresting. And uh, whereas, you're right, Flox was the interesting one. At that point, there's so much Star Trek, it's easy to repeat beats, and I, th- I think they sort of did that with a lot of the crew, but not with Flox. He was an original. Flox moves on. Unanimously. Yes. Mm-hmm. Archer's friends from before the mission. You just want to travel the universe with your friends, and so you, you pick and choose. These would be Charles, Trip, Tucker the Third, and... Hoshi Sato. Who's your favorite? Corey. Uh, Hoshi. She's a linguist, and I'm a sucker for that kind of idea, and Hoshi. All right, Derek? This was a battle between my heart and my libido. (laughs) I adore Emperor Hoshi Sato. I I think she was, like, the best thing about that Mirror Universe episode. I I, kind of love that episode and how she came out on top in the end. And I always describe Trip as the heart and soul of the Enterprise in that series. So I ended up going with my heart, and I just picked Trip. Kurt? I had to go with Sato on this one. I usually go for the characters who are intelligent and are not afraid to show that off. And with her linguistic skills and everything else, she... She always caught my attention. Fred? I'm putting you on the spot again and splitting it uh, 2-2. I'm going with Trip Tucker. Well, no no surprise that if I liked Uhura, I like the communications officer who actually fulfills the potential of that position, where Uhura was a bit of a uh, a telephone operator back on the show. Hoshi is translating stuff. She, you know, she's she's a much more interesting way to, to use that position on the bridge. Uh, and I never really connected with Trip. I think it was like a bit of a second-rate McCoy type, just working in a different part of the ship. So Sato gets three to two, and Hoshi moves on to the second round, uh, which leaves us in this block with uh, basically the often paired up Malcolm Reed and Travis Mayweather the tactical officer, and the helmsman of that enterprise. Uh, let's start with uh, Derek this time. I almost don't really care, so you could conceivably sway me one way or the other, but I went with Reed because he's security, and I want some security on my ship. So that's, that's, <laughs> that's, the, main, that's the main reason I went with Reed. But I, I don't have very strong feelings about either of these characters one way or the other. That is the correct stance, by the way. Okay, so, <laughs> Kurt. I went with Mayweather on this one. I liked seeing somebody who had traveled in space a lot before, but not as part of the Federation, but as a civilian. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that was an interesting spin, uh, an interesting backstory to see. Fred? Um, I like Mayweather for kind of the same reason. Uh, the same reason that I like other characters that I'm not going to talk about now because I'll have a chance to talk about them later on. 
But yeah, Mayweather. Corey? So I was basically ambivalent to either of these. And then I thought about it for a moment. And I thought, no, I really don't like Malcolm Reed. Uh, <laughs> so the fact that he elicited an emotional response in me like that means that he's going to go forward. I think he's scrappy. Okay, are you, that makes you like him more. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> classic twist. Just to be clear, I still don't like him, but, you know, because I didn't, I thought I didn't care about either of them, but I actually really have an intense dislike for him. That means I have an opinion, so right. yeah, might as well move him forward. Completely ambivalent towards Mayweather uh, is what you're saying. Okay, hey. so, so it's two to two, and I have to choose, and you know, my gut feeling was Malcolm Reed. I think Mayweather was... One of those characters that had an interesting premise behind him, and then they did nothing with it. Nothing. And made him the most boring character on the ship. Uh, I think Malcolm Reed isn't very interesting either. I don't like the Section 31 stuff. You know, whatever. Who cares? Uh, but uh, at the end of the day, uh, I think I'm like Corey. There, there's one that I just don't care about, and the other one, okay. So Reed will be moving on in this case, unless someone wants to change their vote. Reed moves on. I don't think anybody cares enough to change their vote. (laughs) (laughs) One block done, guys. One block done. I believe you know the way to the security office. None of these charges are going to stick. I haven't broken any laws. Uh, So block number two is called uh, Mixed Crews. It features some of the non-Starfleet heroes of DS9 and the crew of Voyager. Maki, you know, the Maki Starfleet crew. Uh, okay, so let's start with a couple of foils for Quark, I guess you could say. Odo and Rom. So Odo and Rom, we're starting uh, this time around with Kurt. I have to go with Odo on this one. Uh, again, back to my earlier mention of kind of the outsider. They both have that to a degree, but Odo, everything about the, the performance and the character, and he was just always one of my favorites on the show with a show that that is my favorite iteration of Star Trek. Definitely Odo. Very well, Fred. Yeah, I'm going for Odo, too. It's a character I really liked the first time I watched it, and it stayed with me. Okay, Corey? <laughs> I, it's going to be Odo. I, you know, I mean, I feel like the first four seasons, I really loved Odo. And then as the stuff with the founders started to feature more prominently in the episodes he started to get a little exhausting for me but that being said still those first four or five seasons i loved him adored him so and derek i will make it hopefully unanimous but i'm i'm, I'm going with odo too i think he it's interesting that both these characters are together because i i kind of feel like they could deal with like fanboy insecurities in different ways mm-hmm. but rom kind of like haplessly like falls into his good luck almost like the cards kind of seem to work out for him whereas i think odo goes through a lot of more serious drama and pathos and when you know he gets his happy ending like you you kind of feel like this guy's earned it man like he 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 worked for it like you know so he deserves it whereas i think rom just kind of stumbles into like uh, a wonderful wife and a nice family stuff <laughs> you know his son goes to starfleet like it all just kind of seems to work out but uh, you know ultimately i'm going to go with odo because i think i relate to him more on a on a more serious level than than i would to somebody like rom all right, so Odo will move on, although I will throw a vote Rom's way. I tend to identify with Odo in a lot of the shows, and my innate self-loathing <laughs> makes me <laughs> just want to discard him. I do like, like Rom a lot. Odo, it, it's true, he does get a bit exhausting towards the end. There's a bit too much angst 
there. But some of the key episodes, uh, his relationship with Kira early on when it's when it's uh, unrequited is very strong and speaks to me. That said, he's in no trouble. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just giving Ram a vote. I'm just giving Ram a vote. So Odo moves on, perhaps unsurprisingly. Sisko's uh, son and Ram's bride. No connection, really. But except that Jake Sisko once dated a double girl. So Jake Sisko and Lita are our next characters. Let's start with Kurt. This one was a little harder for me. Both of these characters, I think, had really had not very strong introductions and were not very interesting at the beginning, but became much more interesting later with Jake becoming a reporter and Lita marrying Rom and fighting for, you know, kind of independence from Quark with the whole uh, union thing and, and all that sort of stuff. But in the end, I have to give it to Jake Sisko. He was there from the beginning all the way to the end of the show and had much more growth as a character overall and I think had a much more much more interesting stories to tell. Derek? I'm going to go with Jake Sisko. I really think it's ultimately it comes down to the strength of the episode, the visitor, like Tony Todd as Jake, like that. Uh, it was always mm-hmm. kind of a standout episode for me. And and I think I, I agree with what everybody else is saying. Like, you know, both characters probably got off to some some rocky roads like they were trying to find their sea legs and everything. And eventually, you know, Jake taking on the role of the reporter and kind of going from, you know, a child to a young man like that's. That you, you can kind of see that literally on screen and everything. So there, there's some, you know, obviously like there's puberty and all that kind of <laughs> stuff. And it's easy to sort of poke fun at Jake, you know, in the early seasons. But I think ultimately like he is the, the character that deserves to move forward. Two votes already, Corey. So I'm going with Jake. I thought it was really cool to see, uh, the son of a military man kind of grow up to maybe not necessarily a shoe Starfleet, but certainly see not just the silver lining. So, you know, I thought that was cool. I thought it was pretty brave of the show to do that. And uh, it was neat the way Jake portrayed it and the way Cisco responded. Fred? Um, I'm going to go with uh, Jake because I really like the fact that he's kind of uh, uh, this hope and innocence in a very uh, – I'm talking about kid Jake – uh, where he's a hope and innocence in a very dark iteration of Star Trek. Like, his best friend is a Ferengi in a universe where his race and the Ferengis aren't necessarily allies. And, like, he's oblivious to all that stuff, like, we shouldn't be friends, but let's just, you know, I like you, you like me, let's be friends. I think it's a nice touch in that very uh, grim DS9. The, par- the parents on, are yeah, fighting, yeah. but the kids don't see the point in fighting, they're just friends because they're the only kids on the station i'm gonna make that unanimous i think uh lita there's a lot of humor to get out of the lita character and um, of course the actress is gorgeous but the core of deep space nine and on some level is the relationship between cisco and his son and we don't for once we don't get a precocious genius kid in a science fiction Mm -hmm. show he's just a real person so jake will move on that's one Cisco down. Let's get another one on there. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, showing my bias. Okay. <laughs> Next up is, uh, well, atypical counselors. Who do you go to on D-Space 9? There's no real counselor in the first six seasons. So you could go to Quark, your bartender, or to Vic Fontaine uh, in the Hollow Suites. 
So what do we think here, uh, Derek? I, I have read all the rules of acquisition, so I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go with Quark. I really, like, Quark's probably, you know, showing my bias, like, Quark's probably one of my favorite characters on all of Deep Space Nine. I really enjoy seeing, you know, any of the episodes he's in, and when he's sort of the the star attraction, he, he does not fail to disappoint. I think Armin Shimmerman is, you know, is terrific as Quark, so definitely Quark. Very well. Corey? I'm going to go with Quark as well. I think that, you know, prior to Quark, the Ferengi were a little insensitive, maybe a little icky. They were just kind of strange and I wasn't a real big fan. But Quark really brought a heart to them that that I enjoyed. And also, he's really funny. And Armin Shimmerman, again, fantastic. He was just so good in that role. Fred? I think Quark is the character that gave, uh, like, depth to the Ferengi. Before Quark, all the Ferengi were one-dimensional. They were all the same character, essentially. And, and Norman Sherman played some of those. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, um, Quark really gave this entire species their own, like, thing. He, he went deeper in, in the Ferengi lore and, and um, he really fleshed it out. So I'm going to have to go for that. And he's the guy you love to hate. So Kurt? Yeah, going to have to make it unanimous. Quirk, you know, just what everyone said. You know, Vic Fontaine was fun, but he was very one-dimensional. He never really, other than the one episode, you know, never really got any spotlight put on him. He just wasn't a strong enough character. When we were deciding on the 64 he was the one I was trying to get kicked out uh, and put Martok in his place. Well, I'm going to be true to myself and not make it unanimous. <laughs> I, I'm throwing a bone at Vic Fontaine. You know, I listen to that record. I listen to the record <laughs> all the time. Uh, I prefer those versions to whatever Sinatra, whoever sang them first. <laughs> I, you know, the, the record is like next to the TV where I can put it in the CD player right now. So I'm giving it to Vic Fontaine. I think uh, you're completely right. Quark is the better, stronger, more important character. It doesn't really matter here if I give a vote to someone else. Quark moves on. Unless I convince someone. Nope. Of course not. <laughs> Good try. <laughs> I agree that the music is awesome, though. So I'll give you that. Oh, yeah. As someone who's been a singer in the past, I do love his his performances of all those, those classic songs. Uh, but it's just not enough to push him forward over Quark. Fair enough. Here's to the losers, here's to the losers, bless them all. Two entrepreneurs, Cassidy Yates and Plain Simple Garrick. Or any version of Garrick you like. It doesn't have to be the plain, simple one. It could be the complicated one. Uh, let's start with Corey. So since we're all just showing our hands anyway, Garrick is like my top three favorite characters in all of Star Trek. So, Garrick. Very good, Fred. Is it plain, simple Garrick? It's or any, any Garrick you want. Any Garrick. Or is it all Garrick? Like, <laughs> do I have to pick all of one? Garrick. For, no, all of Garrick. All of Garrick. Then, you know, I think he's got an advantage there. He's got more versatility, so I'm going for Garrick. Kurt? Yeah, I also have to go for Garrick. Even though I love Casty Yates, I love the relationship that she and Cisco have. But Garrick, just every time he's on the screen, you're looking at him and you're paying attention to every little quirk of his face and, and reaction. And 
yeah, he's just such a, a fun character and, and such a complex character. You have to keep him around. Derek? Tinker, Taylor, Soldier Spy. I, I like Garrick as well. He's fantastic. And uh, I got to say the same because um, uh, while Penny Johnson's a great presence when she in those episodes, uh, Garrick's there more often. Cardassians are my favorite species in Star Trek. And uh, a lot of that is down to, to him because he's such a complex, interesting character. So, Garrick... We'll move on to the next round. Unless three of us change our vote. (laughs) 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 Okay, well, now we're getting on to Voyager, everybody's uh, favorite series. Uh, The command duo (laughs) on Voyager, Catherine Janeway and Chakotay. Fred. I'm going for Janeway. She is, like, one of the badasses of television. At least Kate Mulgrew is. Yeah, Kate Mulgrew is... (laughs) One of the badasses of television. So, yeah, she, she gets my vote just because she's awesome. Kurt? I also went with Janeway. She's one of the few characters that became an admiral and actually seemed to fit in the extended universe. Uh, but we, we do get to see a little bit of, of her in that role in the show. Uh, and just for the, the groundbreaking of, you know, finally having a female captain lead a show. Yeah, I'm giving it to Janeway. Derek? I understand Janeway's historical significance, but I am a frequent Janeway detractor. I am known for calling her <laughs> wrong way. Um, so, you know, I, I was kind of like hoping they'd get, get home sooner. Um, and also, I think for my personal preference, I know, I know he's not a beloved character on Gimme That Star Trek. But I think uh, mainly due to some of my own background, you know, I am Native American. And so any character like that that gets some representation, I usually key in on even even guys that are unpopular, like Ensign Bearclaw, I think, you know, I know I know people don't like him too much, but I, I've, I've keyed in on like a lot of those characters, you know, in my youth, you know, reading, watching TV, whatever. So uh, I gave it to Chicote, but I assume like Vic Fontaine, I will be the only one trying to give Chakotay a nod. So Corey. I think you shamed me into changing my vote. <laughs> it, it was going to be Janeway, because I think that the writers didn't necessarily treat her that well, and I think the fans haven't necessarily always treated her that well. Uh, and she did some pretty incredible things. But there's some real merit there for Chakotay, and I think for simply the... Just to keep it interesting, you know, I think I'm going to go with Chakotay. I mean, it's representation either way. The female captain... Right. Native American character. It's just I can't vote for Chakotay because he's he's the Mayweather of this show. He's the character that they set up an interesting premise, interesting background, mm-hmm. interesting possible personality, and then did nothing with him to the point where I could jettison him out in airlock and it wouldn't change the show a bit. So I'm sorry to say, even though Catherine Janeway is sometimes badly written. It's only sometimes. Uh, I've got to give it to Janeway, and unless someone changes their vote... I'm changing she... my vote. Oh, no! Oh! So Fred changes his vote. Yeah. It's now um, uh, three to two for Chakotay. Yeah. You swayed me. Janeway, yeah, it's great that they gave a woman the helm. But Chakotay is the first Native American character in Star Trek. There have been women before, but... Well, in Starfleet. In Starfleet, yeah. So, yeah. Okay, well, rejoice, Derek. Chakotay moves on. <laughs> All right, so our big one, big captain down. That's uh, that, that, that. This would be an upset. This would be considered an upset. Yeah, I consider this an upset. Yeah. Yeah. Hockey teammates. Let's split them up. Tom Paris and Harry Kim, besties. 
the bromance of the Voyager set. Uh, let's start with uh, Corey in this case. So I guess I'm going to give it to Tom Paris, uh, only because he does things during the course of the series. Also, he did things in Next Gen, so Tom Paris. Yeah, under, under another name, yeah. Derek? Poor Garrett Wang. He's a hell of a guy, but Harry Kim is not. So <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to give it to Tom Paris. The setup for Tom Paris was always interesting. Like, I was always fascinated with the idea that he was kind of like this version of that character from the the Wesley shuttle accident thing and everything. Like I, I thought that was kind of like a neat idea. And I, I think to some degree there, there's some stuff, even though I'm not the biggest fan of holodeck episodes, like on every single iteration of Star Trek, I think there's something in Tom Paris that speaks to me as far as the whole, you know, kind of movie serial flash Gordon mm-hmm. kind of love and stuff, because I, I feel like I, I share that in common with him. So I'm, I'm going to go with Tom Paris. He is a bit of a fanboy, Fred. Yeah, for me, uh, Harry Kim doesn't mean anything to me. Like, I, I don't care either way. So I'm not voting for Tom Paris. I'm voting against Harry Kim, essentially. <laughs> Kurt? I've got to give Kim some love here. He was kind of the, the Miles O'Brien of Voyager. He was the one who, every now and then, they just had to put through hell, usually by knocking him unconscious. Voyager is my least favorite series in Star Trek, and these two characters are ones I could leave or take, but uh, I have to give a vote to Harry on this one. He was also the, the young, happy-go-lucky of the crew. I always enjoy that character in a mix. It's three to one for Paris. I'm going to make it four to one, simply because Kim is another character that they never never realize its potential. The Voyager writers were always you know, catering to the same characters and really leaving the others in the dust. Uh, and uh, it's really a shame. I, I mean, I'm compounding the, the horrors done to Kim by kicking him out now, as well as, you know, just the way he never grew out of being an ensign in seven years. You'd think everybody's always dying. They lost half the crew in the first episode. You could get, you know, promotion out of this somewhere. Never happened. So, uh, Paris will move on. All right. The, uh, Alpha Quadrant aliens that are on the ship. We've got Tuvok, the Vulcan, and Belana Torres, who is half Klingon. So, Tuvok versus Belana, Derek. My gut reaction was to give it to Tuvok, and I did. I don't know. I'm not the staunchest advocate of Voyager, but I, I think between sort of their solo outings, I think the Tuvok focused episodes are the ones I was most interested in because kind of like what you were saying, you were, you were kind of saying that you were, you know, a fanboy of Sulu and like, you know, without Tuvok, you wouldn't have that sort of, you know, flashback episode and, and, and Tuvok seemed to be the linchpin for a lot of, you know, cool things on that show. And he always seemed like, you know, b- before seven of nine came on the show and was always kind of telling, you know, Captain Wrongway like what not to do. Like I felt like Tuvok also, <laughs> served that role where he he sort of, you know, presented good alternatives and had the captain's back, you know, and and I always sort of respected that about the character. So I gave it to Tuvok. Fred? Tuvok is my second favorite Vulcan, and Taurus is my least favorite Klingon. So I'm voting for uh, Tuvok. Two votes for Tuvok. Kurt? Make it three. Tuvok was always the more interesting character to me. I found Taurus's one-note anger to just be off-putting the entire show. And Tuvok, with the past, you know, with the tie-in to, to Star Trek VI and all that, uh, yeah, just as long as you don't mention Tuvix, we're okay. We won't. That's a future episode. Uh, Corey? <laughs> 
initially the idea of Bolana Torres as an engineer was really intriguing to me because honestly, I mean, this sounds awful, but it was the first time I ever thought, oh yeah, Klingons would have engineers, wouldn't they? That isn't enough to carry her past Tuvok in my estimation. He's a key character, I think, for the series and he's interwoven nicely into the canon. So, Tuvok. Well, I guess it's going to be four to one for Tuvok because I prefer Bellana. I That's my kind of character, kind of spitfire. Tuvok was always so... It's like I was missing that he didn't have a, a human half. I felt like, oh, this is what Vulcans are without the human half? Boring. <laughs> uh, in any case, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Uh, Bellana, Not Bellana. I'm sorry. I was writing Bellana because <laughs> I'm a cheater. I'm a cheater here. Tuvok moves on. I always kind of felt that way about Gary Graham on Enterprise. Um, in charge of the crew's well-being, we can choose either Neelix or uh, the emergency medical hologram, the doctor. Let's call him the doctor. Uh, let's start ourselves off with uh, Fred. I said earlier that I liked the quirky characters, and this is tough because they're both quirky, but I'm going to go with, uh, the, with Neelix. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I know that's not a popular choice. We'll see. Well, I, yeah, I don't think that's a popular choice. Something about him, I like, he's annoying, but in the right way. Okay. <laughs> Kurt? Yeah, no, I have to disagree on this one. <laughs> the doctor, the doctor was always my favorite character on Voyager. Any doctor-centric episodes I would tune in for, even after I stopped kind of watching the show regularly for a while. I did eventually go back and, and watch all of it because I'm that kind of Trekkie. But the Doctor, he had such a great character arc to him. So much growth from the, you know, very robotic to being one of the most human characters on the show. Corey? Uh, I thought in, in kind of an interesting twist, the writers learned the lessons of Data when they created another artificial being to be on the on the crew, they really figured out what they should have done with Data. I think in the in the case of the Doctor, I think he's one of the great Star Trek characters. He's funny, he's engaging, he's emotional. So for me, he wins, and Neelix can go pound sand. Derek, Cooking Time with Neelix is not my favorite <laughs> TV show at all. So and 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 Robert Picardo is the man as far the as man. the character goes. Like he's 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 a wonderful actor. I remember like being introduced to him on China Beach, yeah. and I thought it was interesting how he was a doctor there, and now he's like this emergency medical hologram on Star Trek. And the other thing that really pushes him over the top is we were trying to come up with, because people know I don't like Voyager that much, and one night I was talking with some of my podcast crew, and they were kind of going, well, what episodes of Star Trek Voyager are, like, outstanding? And, like, I can't think of the episode title, and I couldn't think of it then, but I, I love the one where he's in the convertible car on Mars, you know, and they play I Always Have Eyes for You, like, that, you know, a lot of those, as as was said before, the, the Doctor-centric episodes, you know, with the EMH are always, you know, well-received episodes of Voyager by me. And that, you know, the fact that I don't really care for the show that much, like sort of speaks volumes to that character's importance in the canon and, and why he deserves to move forward on this bracket. I agree with everything you guys have said, except for what Fred said. So uh, <laughs> that's four to one, the EMH moves on. So that's the second block done. We've done half, you know, the left half of the bracket fight. Uh, we're going to take a small promo break. We're going to chance to, I don't know, drink a glass of water. And then when we come back, the bloodbath continues. 
Once upon a time, five friends who met on the Bot Talk Transformers forum set out to develop a podcast dedicated to their various interests. Transformers, science fiction, fantasy, and comic books. Part fanboys and part assholes, they came to be known as the Fanholes. Their unbridled enthusiasm for podcasting did not end there, and soon enough, their proper podcast spun off into the Fanholes network of podcasts. Besides our podcast proper, the Fanhole soon had a continuum of genre-specific, focused shows such as Mobile Suit Mondays, Transformers Tuesdays, Toku Thursdays, and Sentai Saturdays. New weekly content can be found on Podbean, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and fanholespodcast.blogspot.com. Fanholes Podcast, the pop culture podcast, made for the fans, by the fans. Okay, let's do it! We're back. Third block. War zones is what I called it. This includes Starfleet officers aboard DS9, plus Kira. Oh, yeah, she was an officer at one point. And the crew of the Discovery. So, spoiler warning in effect for those. If you haven't seen the series, we, we kind of have to spoil some of the big reveals to talk about the characters, because that's what made them perhaps interesting or impactful. It's, that's going to happen. Sorry. So, uh, if we start here, um, well, let's start, let's start hard. The command duo on DS9, Benjamin Sisko and Kira Nerys. Kurt, can you start us off? As you've all heard, DS9 is my favorite iteration of Star Trek, so these are going to be tough for me, although not as tough as the next pairing. Uh-huh. I have to give it to the eventual captain here. He has such a commanding presence every time he is on screen. He was, I think, the best leader of all of Star Trek and the performance, seeing him as Cisco and Benny in the same episode, you know, he was just one of the, the best actors and characters on the show, period. Corey? So I think Avery Brooks is potentially one of the best things that's ever happened to Star Trek. He's an incredible actor. He breathed real life into Ben Sisko. Uh, I thought from the beginning of Benjamin Sisko, they told you... This is something different. You haven't seen this before. You think this is just another Star Trek, but it isn't. This is very, very different. And I love that about him. He is just one of my all-time favorite characters. So Kira Norris, no, just kidding. It's Ben Sisko. Derek? I will have to go with Sisko. I think Deep Space Nine is, is, you know, sort of right behind the original series as far as, like, one of my favorite shows. And I think Sisko is a large part of that enjoyment. I think like a lot of shows sometimes for me with Star Trek, it took a while for for the newer shows to find their sea legs. But man, when they got in gear with that show, it was kind of firing on all cylinders. And, you know, Avery Brooks is definitely a large part of that. And I've always thought he got more comfortable in his skin when he sort of went back to the Hawk from Spencer for Hire look. And when he's (laughs) in that mode, like he is he, too, is firing on all cylinders, so I, I went with Cisco. Fred? Yeah, I mean, I think this is a no-brainer. It's going to go with uh, Cisco. I don't think I need to say any more about the character. Everybody's going to praise him, so yeah. Well, obviously, uh, I like Kira a lot. I think Who are a- you going to vote for, well, Siskoid? Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> obviously, I like Kira a bit grating at first, but really grew into the character and softened up and, and showed a lot of colors. Kira is, is a... Also a favorite. I, many of these characters are on D Space Nine, but yeah, you know, Cisco is my namesake. There's no 
There's no secret or mystery here. Cisco will move on. Which brings us to... Ah, I'm going to do something a little bit different this time. I'm going to keep Kurt to the end, even after me. You'll be the tiebreaker, if need be, Kurt, on The Bromance. Miles O'Brien versus Julian Bashir. We can only keep one. Corey, what do you think? This is so hard. Why did you do this to me? (laughs) On the one hand... How do I say Garrick is one of my favorite characters and then say, but Julian Bashir can, you know, be on his way. On the other hand, Miles O'Brien has such a long history and he's such a unique character to Starfleet uh, and to Star Trek in that, you know, he's he's not an officer. He's kind of a blue collar dude. <sighs> Miles O'Brien. I don't like it, but there you go. All right. So it starts with O'Brien. <laughs> You okay over there? So surprising you fell off his chair. <laughs> All right. So O'Brien gets the first vote. Derek. I am actually a well-known non-supporter of Julian Bashir. Uh, even on our introduction of our podcasts, I am uh, quoted as saying, Oh boy, a Bashir episode! Sort of facetiously. So I, I think I have to go with, with Miles O'Brien. Fred? Well, TNG is my favorite Star Wars series. Star Wars. Uh, Star Trek. <laughs> Out Star Uh-oh. Trek series. Jeez. Send him packing. I'm sorry. TNG is my favorite Star Trek series. So Miles started on TNG and really grew on DS9. So I'm going to have to go with Miles O'Brien. Okay. Well, despite what I said earlier, I'm going to throw it to Kurt to see if uh, Bashir can get a vote. I wish he could. Like I said before, this was the hardest one for me because these two are so inextricably linked in my mind that to choose one over the other was, you know, like tearing my soul in two. But as much as I love Bashir, uh, I think the writers did a real disservice to him when they tacked on the genetic engineering at the very end of the character. And as others have said before, Miles, uh, you know, seeing things from a non-coms point of view and even almost as much as Cisco is the real family man of Star Trek. I have to tip the scale to Miles. Which would make it unanimous in my case. I think I agree. I think what's interesting about Bashir is that is his arc. But it's an arc that really fits in with Miles O'Brien, so without O'Brien, you you get the flighty, annoying Bashir at the start, and the kind of smug, mutant Bashir at the end, which leaves just the middle, where palatable, more palatable, and O'Brien, what they did with him with the Cardassian War, and being a veteran, and yeah. uh, he's the like a real person on a Star Trek ship and base. So, I give it to O'Brien as well, he moves on. Uh, this one might be easier. Uh, and it is the Dax hosts, Jadzia Dax and Ezri Dax. Let's pit these one against one another. Uh, and let's start this with uh, Derek. Some of my buddies might be upset with me, but I, I went with Jadzia just because she's had a longer history on the show. So I, I think she has a lot more importance. And I, I've always kind of liked the way, I mean, I, I know it's weird to attribute some things to Jadzia and other things to Ezri, even though essentially... It's almost like it's the same, you know, they're fighting themselves, sort of, I guess, because it's the whole, you know, symbiont thing. But I've always kind of liked how Jadzia kind of 
embraced the the Klingon culture because I've always been a fan, and so it, it, I guess she's just always been my my personal preference between Jedzia and Ezria. It was kind of an easy choice for me, so I, I went with Jedzia. What about you, Fred? Yeah, I'm going for Jedzia too. Same thing. Like she's there more often. We get to see well, we get to see like a real arc and like progress, and then tragedy. Yeah, <laughs> Kurt. Six years versus one year of character stories. It's it's hard to to not pick Jadzia. Much as I crush on Nicole DeBoer, you know, the relationship with Jadzia and Worf and all of that character arc there, definitely Jadzia. Corey? Can I vote for Julian Bashir here? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I didn't really care for either iteration. I love the idea. I think they could have done great things with her. I am of the opinion that tying her to Worf was knee-jerk and a little tired but she does have to win right like she Ezri can't win this round so it's got to be Jedzia Ezri is uh, cute as a button but it's it's Jedzia that got all the big emotional stuff the big arc stuff the war stuff the Jedzia moves on no surprise really uh let's and uh, uh, I'd like to wish a happy birthday to the uh Dax symbiont who was born this year that's true that's in 2018 true. that's true and uh <laughs> And congratulations on your wedding, Terry Farrell. <laughs> <laughs> Which was like uh, a couple of weeks ago from uh, from where we were standing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, two aliens who joined the crew late might have been early on on the on the show, but as Starfleet members, Nog was a, a late addition to the Starfleet crew, and Worf, who came in at um, season four. So this is a TNG character and a DS9 character all in one. Fred, what do you think? Well, like I said earlier, TNG is my favorite. Trek, so I'm going for Worf. I think, like, Worf did what they tried to do with Taurus, but better, both human mm-hmm. and Klingon, even though he's not half-human, but he's got that human culture. He was raised by human parents, but still embraces his Klingon side, even though he's never known his Klingon parents. I don't know, I think that's that's a really, really interesting character arc. Kurt? Prune juice versus root beer. One is sweet, but not good for you. One is much more healthy, but uh, not as delicious. But, you know, I actually... God, I gotta go with Nog on this one. You know, I enjoy Worf, but there is an entire TV trope named after him and how often he gets his his ass kicked on the show. (laughs) You know, if you're going to have somebody who's supposed to be this great warrior, it's kind of sad that uh, is uh, heated in battle. And Nog, you know, again, I love character growth and development. That is really what gets me interested and involved in a character. And seeing Nog go from a little kid who, you know, was really kind of set in his ways to someone who embraced Starfleet and all it has to offer. I know this is probably going to be the only Nog vote here, but I I have to to show Nog the the love on this one. All right, we'll see. Corey? Uh, It's not going to be the only Nog vote. Uh, There's one more. There's me. And the reason is, you know, by the end of DS9, I I was just, just wharf fatigue Klingon fatigue. When I heard the Discovery was going to feature the Klingons prominently, I was like, haven't we done this? Nog, on the other hand, was a breath of fresh air. He was, he has a real arc. It's interesting. It creates a development for his culture that's interesting. And 
in a way, it was something we hadn't really ever seen before, and we had seen plenty of Worf, so... Nog? Derek? I want to say that this was a tough call for me, but it probably wasn't. Just to sort of give some due love, though, I agree with the other folks that Nog did have a wonderful character arc. I, I really in, like enjoyed him as well in the, the Marvel Starfleet Academy comic. Mm. Like That was probably one of my favorite comics that was coming out, and it heavily featured him. So uh, don't get me wrong. I, I do really like Nog, but I had to give it to Worf. Like, Worf is... I, I, I just think in terms of importance and, and to the canon, he's been in the films, he's been on the various series, he's had ancestors in the Star Trek universe, and as far as, you know, personality, and and the the importance of him being you know it's like okay Nog's the first Ferengi in Starfleet well Worf's the first Klingon in Starfleet like I had to give it to Worf and so I have to break the tie no I'm a Worf man I think uh, he's funny he's tragic and dramatic he's a badass especially in Deep Space Nine I think that's you know sometimes they nerfed him in TNG unless it was a Klingon episode Uh, when he got to to Deep Space Nine he was killer And, uh, no, I, I, I like him a lot. Not to say that Nog isn't uh, worth the, the two votes he did get, but Worf will move on. Sorry to be so traditional. <laughs> so now we get into the, the discovery stuff. Uh, so, uh, look away if, uh, <laughs> if it's a problem for you. The captains from Discovery, at least the show, not necessarily the ship, Gabriel Lorca and Philippa Georgiou, Michelle Yeoh plays her. Uh, let's start with Kurt. Lorca has, God, this was hard. Lorca has the more interesting character development because Georgiou, we, we only see her really for at least the prime universe version of her. We only see her for an episode. And I thought the reveal about Lorca, uh, was, was poorly handled on the show. He still was a much more interesting character to, to have on screen and to watch develop and all of his plots and schemes uh, along the way. He, I mean, he he almost shouldn't be in the hero bracket, but given a choice between these two, I'm still going to choose him. I wouldn't vote for Lorca. Fred? I really don't like Lorca. <laughs> okay. Like, <laughs> not, 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 I think he's an inter- interesting character, but he's not a very likable character. And uh, I really, really enjoyed Georgiou's brief stint on the show in the Prime Universe, at least. So yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go that way. Philippa Georgiou. Okay, one vote uh, both ways. Um, uh, Derek. I, I sort of had to do some mental gymnastics. Like, I guess just go along with me on this ride. But Lorca, I, I sort of was wondering, like, does he belong here? Just like was said before, because this is the hero bracket. And then I thought, well, if it's the real other Lorca, like he doesn't really amount to much from what we know. And then even if we've only seen Philippa Giorgio for, uh, you know, the, the pilot, essentially, she did more than the one in the alternate universe who we've never seen. But then I was like, well, that's not fair to the actual Lorca character. And that Lorca character sort of trumps the pilot Giorgio. But then I was like, well, what about 
the mirror. You know, I don't know. I was I was doing all these leaps in my head. So I'm, I'm but but they're not heroes. But then he's not. I don't know. Anyway, I picked Lorca. But it, it, this was this, <laughs> this this confused me like to no end. So, but I, I picked Lorca. Corey. So I am not sort of ambiguating the two Philippa Georgios. To me, they're the same character. There is the Prime Universe one where they tell you, oh, she's amazing, she's fierce, she's smart, she's all these incredible things. That's why all these people around her would give her this amazing amount of respect and and treat her like royalty. And then there's the Mirror Universe, Giorgio, who is royalty. And you get to see, you're shown why that character was so revered. I mean, yes, she's evil and terrifying, but (laughs) <laughs> the same qualities that make her effective, uh, evil, and terrifying can be translated very easily to being a, a, an incredible Starfleet captain. So for me, Giorgio, writ large across both universes, is the winner of this bracket. And I'm sorry I went on so long. That's okay. I um, I was trying to make up my mind because that makes me the tiebreaker. And I... <laughs> uh, this is tough for all the reasons that, that you guys mentioned. So I'm just going to, you know, Philippa George is played by Michelle Yeoh, and I'm a huge <laughs> Kung Fu fan. But, uh, yeah, oh, but I think Lorca is uh, the more interesting character, and I have a feeling that we'll see him again. The real Lorca, and the, the real Lorca will be just as ruthless, just not have that agenda. And be, he has more potential, maybe. Okay, gut feeling, I'm giving it to Lorca, and I hate myself. I hate you, too. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. Okay, well, Disgraced Heroes, well, in the show, became a couple. So Michael Burnham, the hero of Discovery, and Ash Tyler, who, um, spoiler warning, you, you stop listening for ten seconds, <laughs> is actually Vox, son of none. <gasps> oh, no! So, um, who gets it this time? Let's start with uh, Fred. Let's start with you. Um, well, I, I told you this before. I feel like Discovery's very... Centered on one character. So, yeah, I'm going to give it to Michael because she's the character we get to see a lot. We follow her along. We get her character arc. Yeah, Ash is interesting, but not so much without Michael. Uh, Derek? This was kind of a case of the Christopher Pike-Jonathan Archer battle for me where I I think Burnham takes it because just by the way it's written, she's inherently more important to the canon and the franchise you know I, I guess it's the same way of saying you know she's the main character of the show like she she has to move forward like she is she's too important so i i went with burnham Corey burnham although i will say that ash tyler brings up just this whole host of really interesting ideas and issues and it's a shame that he has to go against michael burnham in this round but michael burnham is the star of the show and she's new and something exciting so michael burnham kurt this was no no problem for me burnham all the way you know she's obviously the lead character of the show which is odd to say for a star trek show which is almost always about an ensemble but she was definitely our lead character here and i hated 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 the Ash Tyler reveal and how long they held that out and tried to make it into some sort of mystery when it was obvious to everyone from the very beginning. Okay, well, that's going to be unanimous. I do like Ash Tyler, or I liked Ash Tyler before he became 
or was revealed to be a Klingon and then became Klingon. Mm-hmm. I think I liked him more as this uh, this presence in Burnham's life and something positive. And then he turned out to be the betrayer and then not really the betrayer. I think by the end it's so muddled as to what this character is now supposed to be if he stays with the show. Uh, so um, Burnham, of course, gets it. She moves to the second round. The Odd Ducks, Saru and Sylvia Tilly. Let's start with Derek. Saru. Point blank. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, I just, I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not big on Sylvia Tilly at all. And, and I think, I think by the end of Discovery, I think Saru goes from being someone who is, is not at the outset someone who you would think of as courageous. You know, he's, he's got that whole vibe of, I can, you know, sense fear in my whole, by genetic design, he's designed to run away from things that could kill him or harm him or that he, he finds threatening. And by the end of it, I feel like I don't understand why they didn't promote him to captain. Like he fought through his genetic conditioning and he is essentially, you know, someone who was, you know, it's okay to be afraid, but He's someone kind of like the whole mantra of the Green Lanterns. Like he fought through his fear and used that to his advantage to become, you know, a better Starfleet officer, a better, you know, acting captain, just an all around better person. So I I have to give it to Saru. Corey? I think Saru acting as the uh, conscience, I guess, of the Federation or, or maybe the standard bearer or just the from a literary standpoint, just the idea of what the Federation should be, can be, needs to be, even in really dark times, was real compelling for me. I think he's one of the best commanders Star Trek has given us. And uh, and Tilly is fun and sweet and funny, but she is none of the things I just said about Saru. So, Saru. Okay. Kurt? I have to start out by saying that uh, I have a thing for redheads, so Sylvia <laughs> Tilly is my biggest Star Trek crush of all times. And she is, as everybody said, is, is a, a fun, funny character. But, but everything, but, oh, no. <laughs> but it has to go to Saru because of his character development and also Doug Jones, his performance. It's great seeing him, you know, getting to see him be the, the actor that I've known for a long time that he could be and not just the body. Sorry, Sylvia, but uh, it's Saru. Fred? Same thing. No! Sylvia t- yeah, no, I mean, Sylvia's fun. She's sweet. She's cute. She's funny. <laughs> she's quirky. I like the quirky characters. But Saru is also quirky. And if I'm looking at what is coming next for this show, I think Saru is going to have a bigger impact and a bigger arch. So I'm going for Saru. Damn it. Obviously, I was going to vote... For Sylvia Tilly. I think Tilly is the heart and soul of this show. She evolves into this character that is us. Mm-hmm. She is the most non star, you know, non TV character on there. She struggles with her weight. She struggles with her, you know, her complexion's not perfect. Her hair is all over the place. Uh, she's nervous. She's, we talk about Miles O'Brien as that real person, as Jake Sisko as this real person. Sylvia Tilly is the real person in Discovery where I think m- much of the dialogue is very written because Michael Burnham's telling the story and she's a, you know, she's from Vulcan upbringing at least. And by the end, I hate when she dropped the F-bomb. I hated that for the show. But by the end, she's the one that represents the Starfleet values. She's the one that they kind of have to look 
to as the core of what the Federation values mean, because this is a ship that has sort of lost its way because of Lorca. And Saru is just like, okay, he's just the alien guy. I don't particularly care about his culture or whatever. I hated him in that forest episode where he turns against them, whether mind-controlled or not. Anyways, my vote would be for Sylvia Tilly. I don't know if I've convinced anyone to change enough people to change their votes. Well, I have. I, you know, I was on the fence and, you know, I, I, I think you convinced me. She is a more real character, a, a more grounded someone that y- you can actually see being someone in real life. So, yeah, I've changed my mind. Well, it's a more respectable three to two. And uh, (laughs) Saru moves on. (laughs) Who's next? A couple on the show, for for a brief time at least, unless they find a way to bring uh, one of these two back. But Paul Stamets, I want to call him the engineer, but that's not what what he does. And uh, Hugh Culber, who is a doctor on the ship, but not the CMO. We don't never meet the CMO, I think. Corey? This is kind of difficult. I think... Just for impact's sake, I have to sort of go for Paul Stamets. Yeah, they're both great characters. They both bring a lot to Star Trek, but uh, he does more, lasts longer, has a interesting arc. So Paul Stamets. All right, Kurt. When the show first aired, I hated Stamets. He annoyed me. He was graded against my nerves so much, but. Post spore injection Stamets became my favorite character on the show. So I have to say, I love the relationship between the two, between Stamets and Culber. You know, seeing a, a realistic depiction of a gay couple on Star Trek was great and groundbreaking and, uh, you know, important to show. So I have to give that shout out there. But definitely, uh, especially after the uh, the Spore invasion, uh, <laughs> I have to give it to Stamets. Fred? Yeah, I'm going to go with Stamets, too, because um, I agree. I, I, at first, I didn't like him. And I think the fact that he went from me not liking him to him being a great character on the show, maybe not my favorite, but still, like, it, at the end of the season, I did like him. I think that is a great character arc, and that shows like great writing for the character and great acting. So yeah, Stamets. Derek? I, I agree with what everybody's been saying about Stamets' character arc. I think, you know, right there with Saru, he was one of the characters that stood out to me as having significant growth, and I felt like they were a well-rounded, you know, complete image of, of a character that I could continue to follow as the series progresses. And kind of like... How I think people were saying before about certain characters, like if they had strong feelings about them, whether they were abrasive or not so nice, I guess. Like, I I think Stamets just being involved with the Spore Drive always set off my spider continuity sense. So I think just also on the basis of that, I feel like I have strong feelings about that. And that also sort of somehow retroactively contributes to historical significance. So I, I think that basically, you know, bumps him up as far as this this bracket goes i don't i don't you know i liked you like i i was like i remember the actor from my so-called life like he was good on the show but you know unfortunately it doesn't seem like he's going to be around to have the same impact that stamets will ultimately have on the series hopefully they find a way to bring him back and not just as a sort of ghost uh, because that means the the gay couple has been already broken up tragically the show doesn't want to explore that or show that in a 
for a longer period, which is annoying to me. But of course, this is a spot. He's very much a supporting character. Hugh. That could have been Landry's spot. That could have been somebody yeah. else's spot. So, uh, yes, I agree. Stamets will move on. Unanimous. I am Locutus of Borg. Resistance is futile. Your life as it has been is over. From this time forward, you will service us. Mr. Worf. Fire. The last block, block number four, I called it Into the Wild because there are a couple of wild cards in there and I thought it was clever. And this includes Next Gen Screw and a few wild cards from other shows that we just, I just couldn't fit numerically, only so many spots in each block. So, uh, this one's gonna have some hard ones, uh, starting possibly with the first, the command team, Jean-Luc Picard and William Riker. We are starting with Derek. I love Jonathan Frakes. Like, I, I, I know it's probably not going to be the popular opinion because usually Picard is the captain of the Enterprise. He's super significant, super important. If I applied my, my Captain Kirk logic to the next generation, by all rights, I should be picking Jean-Luc Picard. But I, I think just based on personal preference and, and my love of Jonathan Frakes as an actor and everything, like, I, I think I'm going to have to give it to Riker because I, I I just, I I enjoy the hell out of the character. I've always kind of liked him since I first saw him on The Next Generation. Even when people like, I think it was like Mad Magazine or Cracked Magazine would poke fun at him. And I think his name in that was, was Rekirk when the pilot first came (laughs) out and they kind of tried to poke fun at him and everything. But I still, I I guess I sort of embrace that since I'm such a Kirk fan. And if if he is Rekirk, like I approve of Rekirk. So I'm, I'm I'm fine with that. He's also Redecker. Fred. Ah, this one's tough. Uh, I really like Riker because in that very clean, very proper, very uh, utopic TNG, he's the rule breaker. He is the James T. Kirk of TNG, and he spices things up where, you know, Picard kind of always has a solution. He always has an answer, uh, which makes him a great character, but not very interesting because you know he's always going to come out on top, whereas Riker kind of takes a lot more chances and gets in a lot more trouble. So Riker is a more interesting character to watch, and that's why I'm going to go for Riker. Two votes for Riker out of the gate. Kurt? There are four lights. (laughs) Is that a vote for Picard? (laughs) That's a vote for Picard. That is definitely a vote for Picard. The performance by Patrick Stewart in every single episode is so well-crafted, so spot-on. There is never a false note. We learn more about his character, I think, than we ever do about Riker. I think he he is a much more well-rounded, fascinating character. And like I said, it, it all comes down to that performance by Patrick Stewart, so... Yeah, Picard. And Corey? So I loved that with Picard, they made the decision that, and maybe this is because it was the 80s, but that Starfleet wasn't just going to be macho alpha males sleeping their way across the galaxy. 
and winning every conflict with a phaser or a fist or sometimes a clever idea, they decided to put somebody that was considered an intellectual in charge. And that changed the idea of what Starfleet was going to be about for me. Um, and I found it a lot more interesting, probably because I was a huge Doctor Who fan. But uh, having a really smart British guy on board telling everybody what to do was a sweet spot for me. So Jean-Luc Picard it is. Two to two, which leaves it to me. I'm not pulling another Sulu here, people. I make no bones about it. My favorite TNG character over time has become and is William Riker. So um, uh, Picard, well, Picard, I, I completely agree. Picard is the more important, and Patrick Stewart is the greater actor. But I love the humor that Riker brings to it. I love the the, the sort of swagger. I love the that he can be. I, I don't know. It uh, for me, Riker is more fun, and I like him better. And I'd, I'd rather watch more episodes with Riker at the center than Picard, which I, I've gotten old for me. And you know what? As a French-speaking person, I'm sorry, but Jean de Picard is not a Frenchman. And that always rankled. <laughs> I'm sorry. But every time he speaks a, a French word, it's garbled. I just don't want to believe that in 300 or 400 years, my language has become that. <laughs> so uh, I'm voting for Riker. And that's three votes for Riker, which is putting him in the second round over Picard. Ugh. See, now I'm... No. <laughs> well... I voted for Riker, but that hurts. <laughs> that's all your no. you, you can change your mind. <laughs> no, he wrote it down. It's too late. <laughs> okay. Well, Fred, you start us off on this one. The Counselors. Would you rather go to Deanna Troy or Guinan? Guinan. <laughs> Kurt? Yeah, yeah, Guinan. One of the, I have to bring this up, one of the other podcasts I listen to right now is Star Trek The Next Conversation, where they're going through each episode of the, the show and discussing it. And a theory that one of the two has brought up is that Deanna Troy doesn't actually have any empathic powers, and everyone is just uh, humoring her. Mm. And it works. <laughs> uh, she is such dead weight on that show. It is sad. Guinan, every time she's on, you you want to know more. I, she's the character that that I wish they had explored further. Definitely Guinan on this one. Corey, you know it's interesting when uh, you're an Oscar-winning actor and you're like, hey, I really like this show. I'd like to be on it, and they give you really juicy, interesting things to do while you're on it. Versus somebody who's a part of the every week ensemble, basically getting thrown around the bridge every uh, episode or so. I mean, that being said, I have to go with Guinan. Her stuff is just way cooler. Derek? Yeah, definitely Guinan. Everything everybody said, the the intrigue, the I, I always loved the fact that she knew who Q was and they had their little stare match where she put out her little feelers and everything is like, I know you like you're bad news. Like, you know, and she kind of almost did her little caddy, like <laughs> kind of thing at, at Q. Like I, I've always, I, I would definitely prefer Guinan to Deanna. Stabbed him with a fork too. Yeah. 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 She gets a lot of uh, great scenes where she dispenses wisdom and asks the right questions and with different characters as well. And Deanna Troy I, is probably my least favorite, not to say anything bad about Marina Sirtis, who I think is hilarious. But she was, so yeah, wasn't allowed to use that humor on the show at all, except maybe like in First Contact a bit, you know, in a couple of the movies. I wish that would have been 
the Deanna Troy we got all along. Guinan gets a unanimous vote to the next round. Yeah, Troy was kind of a stick in the mud. <laughs> oh yeah, and they had to, and she's on um, the least number of episodes for someone who was there the, the whole seven years yeah. because every time her power would screw things up for the plot, whoops, she's just not there somehow. <laughs> Uh, okay, a couple of big guns, maybe the engineers or the technicians of the group, Data and Jordy LaForge. Kurt, let's start with you. Again, with the, the outsider looking in on humanity and commenting on it as my favorite character archetype, I had to go with Data. I love Jordy. I especially love LeVar Burton as an actor and as a human being, but Data always had the more interesting episodes when they were about him. I had to, to choose Data for this one. Corey? Uh, Data. It speaks for itself in, in a way, I guess. Derek? I went with Data. Uh, you know, Data never turned into a blue salamander thing. He never embarrassingly <laughs> fell in love with a Leia Brahms hologram and then tried to mac on her in real life and utterly fail and that kind of stuff. So I don't know. Jordy, I've always kind of been embarrassed by Jordy. So, so, and I've, I've never been embarrassed by Data. So, so I'm giving it to Data. Although it is kind of hypocritical to, to let Paris, uh, who also became a salamander, pass, but not, okay. Uh, <laughs> it, no, it's, it's totally <laughs> hypocritical. Uh, and I guess Fred? Yeah, I'm going to go with Data. Jordy is most interesting when he's with Data. So. And I kind of dislike Jordy as a character. I think he's a bit of a, you know. Uh, so, but Data is the Spock of the show. Uh, he always gets like the, the best moments. He gets the humor. Uh, so Data unanimously moves on. All right, let's split up a family because we're mean. All right, at least I am. And uh, let's put up Beverly Crusher versus Wesley Crusher. Corey. No, this isn't hard at all. No. no, it's not. I have to choose Beverly Crusher because if I didn't, my roommate said she'd kill me. Fair enough. Derek? Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Shut Up, Wesley. Like, I, uh, I, I like I like uh, Wesley Crusher for this one. I mean, you know, Beverly's important and, and worthwhile to the cast. I was greatly appreciative when she... Uh, I was upset when she left in the first season, and I appreciated her coming back in the, you know, third season and on, but... I guess, you know, the other thing, too, is I, I always think of these young green characters that come on and have arcs. And I, I've always been fond of that because I guess, it, you know, it, same thing with Jake Sisko, like growing up from a, a child into a man like Wesley kind of has that arc as well. And in terms of like, I guess, historical significance, like I, I always took him going off with the traveler as as being like a leap to like a higher plane of existence, like something that was that was more meaningful than any other like Starfleet Explorer could have done. So in, in that aspect too, I think he's the more important of the, of the two uh, crushers. Fred, uh, I'm going to go with the character. So good. They brought her back. Beverly Crusher. All right. Well put Kurt. And I'm going to split things down the middle for you. <laughs> I'm going with Wesley, maybe partially because of my fondness for Will Wheaton, even way back when, uh, when I first started watching it, Wesley was the character that I identified with. You know, he was closest to my age. Uh, he was a precocious, intelligent kid. I was a precocious, I'd like to think, intelligent kid. So, yeah, Wesley. And, uh, well, yeah, no, I've got to give it to Beverly. I think Wesley, I, while I like Will Wheaton, I, w I wish Wesley would have played more board games on screen. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> but he, it, I just don't think the character was viable as this sort of brainiac. And they basically, they basically threw Will Wheaton in the deep end of the pool and let him drown, I think. Uh, whereas Beverly uh, has a lot of, I, I like the artistic side of Beverly. That she's a dancer, that she's a, that she puts on plays, that kind of stuff. She didn't get a whole lot to do on the show, but those bits, uh, and, you know, the, her presence win it for me. So that's three to two for Beverly, unless someone changes their vote, and she moves on. Okay. Well, we got another doctor, actually, but two firebrands who weren't on the show for the whole run. Uh, we've got, uh, in this bracket, Catherine Pulaski and Rolaren. So let's start with Derek. Other than her previous appearance on the original series and being Bruce Banner's sister, I don't have a whole lot of love for Pulaski. Like, I always thought she kind of treated Data poorly, and I never really warmed up to the character. Rolaren, on the other hand, I think she has that thing going that you mentioned before about, you know, characters like Kira or uh, Bellana Torres, you know? She's kind of got that spitfire nature. I feel like she's a more interesting character, and she's gone through uh, a lot more turmoil and trouble in her life and so it made a nice you know it kind of spiced things up on uh, a crew like the next generation that you know they, they kind of had that roddenberry utopia thing going on and here's someone who didn't really grow up in that kind of utopian culture so it did kind of throw a monkey wrench in the mix on the crew and made things you know made life interesting for folks so i i'm gonna go with rolaren Corey, you know i like that when they brought her in you weren't supposed to like her uh that she was supposed to add conflict to a show where they had more or less verbalized there will be no conflict between the main crew. Uh, I liked that dynamic. Uh, so um, I didn't like that they replaced Beverly Crusher, uh, especially for like the, the inside reasons as to why it happened. I thought that was BS. For the time that she served, Catherine Pulaski was really interesting and created some interesting things on board the ship that we didn't really see again until DS9. So Pulaski. Oh, so a vote each. Fred. Yeah, I, I kind of liked that Catherine Pulaski uh, brought that tension. She didn't treat Data where every the way everybody else wanted her to, and she she basically treated him like a tool. But I'm still gonna go for Rolaren. If Pulaski would have stayed longer, she would have had it. But I, I think her impact was like a blip and then negligible. Never mentioned again. Yeah. Kurt? To brush off an old 80s joke, I would be happy to uh, push Pulaski down a turbo lift shaft. <laughs> For those who don't know, the actress's previous character died falling down an elevator shaft in L.A. Law. Yeah. But Rolaren, you know, I really hoped that they would have brought her in to either DS9, you know, since she's a Bajoran, or into Voyager as one of the Maquis. She just was always such a fascinating character. Uh, so conflicted that, you know, I really wanted to see more of her. So, Rolaren on this one. Uh, so we've got, what, three to one on Rolaren, and uh, I'm big fan of Michelle Forbes. My understanding is she couldn't be on DS9, or Voyager for that matter, because of other commitments, and uh, she didn't want to go to that series, I guess. But uh, I love, love, love Rolaren. I love Michelle Forbes. She, I'm very happy that she's moving on. To the second round. Next up in the bracket, we're in the wild cards here, but uh, two women with links to the TOS era, let's say. Savick from the movies and Janice Rand, the yeoman of Captain Kirk originally, and then we saw her in the movies as well in other roles. So, Corey. Uh, Savick, I think, is going to get my vote here. I mean, she, you know, she helped significantly with Spock on the Genesis planet, and, you know, she doesn't really 
necessarily do a lot, but she does a lot more than Janice Rand did in my estimation. So, you know, so I'm going to go with uh, Savick. Okay, Fred? Yeah, I'm going to go with Savick too. Just, I, I don't think Janice does a whole lot. So yeah, Savick wins my vote. Kurt? Yeah, Savick as well. Uh, Star Trek II is my favorite original series, cast, project, you know, episode, movie, whatever. Star Trek II is my favorite, hands down. And, you know, her interaction with the rest of the crew really helps with that, getting that kind of outsider's perspective to see how how these people think and how they work. Derek? I, too, share a great love for Star Trek II, and sort of based on that, I think that's why, ultimately, Savick wins this out for me. I, You know, I, I was kind of thinking about this, though. It's like, you got Janice Rand, so what, she's in, like, the first season of the original series, and then she kind of botches up the transporter thing, and Kirk's got to kind of, like, pat her on the back and be like, there was nothing you can do, you know? It's all good, you know? And that's that's kind of what I remember about her, like, for the most part, you know? That doesn't mean she wasn't significant, you know? It doesn't mean she didn't play roles in certain episodes, like, you know, when you had the evil Kirk running around and all that kind of stuff in the original series. But I, I think I agree with what everybody else is saying, the fact that Savick played such a, a big role with Kirk's son David, with Spock on the Genesis planet, and then in Star Trek Two, just, you know, she, she kind of springs from a similar place as characters like, I think, Jake and Wesley. Like, she's she's kind of, you know, to, to use the parlance, she's the NFG on the Enterprise, you know? And, and, and so you get to see things from a fresh perspective of, of a franchise that, you, you know, conceivably you've known and loved for many years. So I, I, I think overall I'd give it to Savick on this. Uh, well, that's uh, four to nothing for Savick. I'll throw Janice Rand a bone. Uh, well, she she did become uh, Sulu's XO on the Excelsior, so on that basis, she had a good, strong career. But I do think Savage is a character I might have cut from the list in favor of Morn. All right, so, <laughs> uh, so uh, Savick moves on. Okay, next is two more characters who weren't on TNG the whole time: uh, Reginald Barkley and Tasha Yar. So Barkley versus Yar. Let's start with Fred. All right. I'm going for Barclay. I think he represents what any of us would feel like on a Starfleet ship. He's afraid of teleporters. He's afraid of everything that's in there. Yeah, I really like him. Quirky character. Every time he's on the show, he's interesting. He's not there a lot, but every time he is, it's an interesting episode. Kurt? Tasha, unfortunately, got the short shrift in that first season. And, you know, we just learned, yes, she was on that horrible planet with the rape gangs mentioned over and over again. Whereas Barkley, you know, came on after the writers had, had really kind of gotten their stride and, and knew what the show really was going to be about. So he had the more interesting episodes and Dwight Schultz is just such a fun character actor that anytime He's in a project. He he elevates it. Derek, I like Barkley. It, it's funny. I think if he was put up against even some of the main next gen crew, I might pick Barkley over some of the main ship crew because I think I think he he's had a lot of interesting next gen episodes. And then in terms of like historical significance, you know, you you can see like the guest star episodes he did and stuff like that. So there's other franchises that he's had an impact on as well. And he was wonderful even in his little bits. I was all excited to see him in first contact and things like that so i i'd have to give it to 
to Reg. Corey. So I like Reg a lot. His episodes are always some of my favorite episodes. I think they, they're really fun, uh, but they also show a very human angle at looking, for looking at Star Trek. Uh, you know, that being said, I think that, that Sylvia Tilly is a better Reg than Reg ever was, and I know those are probably fighting words, but, you know, Tasha just never quite clicked with me, so. Uh, it's going to be Reg. And uh, that's uh, unanimous, I think. Uh, so it goes to Mr. Broccoli. <laughs> okay, so this is the final bracket in the first round. Two characters who didn't do a full run on Voyager. 709 and Kess. Let's start with Kurt. I was never really a fan of either of these characters that much. I thought Seven of Nine, especially when they first brought her on, was there as obvious eye candy. And then Kess... I found grating and annoying most of the time, but I think Seven of Nine grew more into an interesting character in the end. So between two meh choices, slightly less meh on Seven. Okay, Derek. I think my libido wins this one out. I, yeah. I think I was probably the the right age range when she was introduced on Voyager, as far as that goes. Like that, I, I'm not gonna lie. Like that, totally the eye candy aspect totally worked on me. But I think on a different level, like a, as I've kind of repeatedly said, I think she tried to steer wrong way in the right direction a lot of the times, or at least provided a decent sense of conflict. Like that, you know, I think. A lot of the other crew just didn't have the option to provide because they were they were part of that original sort of culture or template. And, and she was kind of, you know, thrust into it. And, and she didn't have any of the decorum or procedural hangups that I think a lot of the other characters would have had. So she was very blunt. And I think I appreciated whether she was right or wrong, you know, in her confrontations with Janeway. I, I think I came to appreciate, you know, more than just, uh, you know, her good looks that she was willing to voice her opinion and she had a strong opinion and she would stick to her guns a lot of the time. So I, for me, it's seven of nine. No question. Corey. So I think the merits of having a, you know, a reformed Borg on board are greater than the merits of having a seven-year-old or only up to seven-year-old occasional telepath manic pixie dream girl on board. So for that reason, I've got to go with seven. I, I don't think either of them are great characters, but from a in-universe perspective, I would much rather have an X-board on board than a Kess. Fred? The fact that they gave Kess a, a life expectancy of, like, seven years. The whole season. <laughs> yeah. Shows that, and they started her off at two. <laughs> uh, shows that they, they didn't have high hopes for that character, I guess. And yeah, I, I agree that having a Borg on board of the, the uh, a Starfleet ship is interesting. In the same way that Worf being a Klingon is interesting and that Nog joining Starfleet is interesting. So I'm going for 7 of 9. I think that's going to be uh, pretty unanimous. Not only is 7 uh, you know, interesting as a concept and all that, whereas Kess... I don't think that's a viable concept. I didn't. I don't think the Akampa worked as you know biologically as, as something that would be real. Yeah. Uh, whereas seven, it's not just seven as a concept or as uh, a look. I think Jerry Ryan is genuinely a good actor and uh, you know brought a lot to the role. And then they, they gave her so much to do 
that's a bit of what Voyager did, where they just chose their favorites, and those guys blossomed, whereas other characters didn't so much. And I think it's, it's like the, the production team decided who we should vote for in the Voyager brackets yeah. uh, for us. So seven moves on. This is the end of the first round. Ooh. 64 are now 32, and we're going to take another promo break just so we can get a drink of water. And by that, I mean I've got to give the cat some water because he's starting to get rowdy on this end. Uh, <laughs> so stick around. We'll be back uh, with the rest of the rounds. Halfway done. Podcast, The Final Frontier. These are the conversations of the friendship Matt Myra and Andrew Secunda. Their continuing mission. To seek out old adventures with contrived civilizations. To boldly watch episodes that one of them has watched before. On iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, and everywhere you get your podcasts. When I first saw you, I felt as if I'd been waiting for you. Look beyond your provincial attitudes and your volatile nature. Volatile? You have no idea how much I'm restraining myself from knocking you on your ass. We're back, and uh, you've made it to round two if you're still listening. We, we've made it to round two if we're still judging, and we are. This should go more quickly. Everybody's given their little essay on why they like the characters that have moved on. Okay, we're going to start with Fred, and uh, we're going back to the early explorers. Mm-hmm. In this case, now round two, Kirk versus Spock. Ha 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 ha! It's a hard one, uh, but it's going to go for Spock. I think Spock has had a longer run in the Trek universe, especially now with the new J.J. Abrams films. Spock. Kurt. Agreed. Spock, especially if you look at Shatner versus Nimoy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think you definitely have a stronger actor and more interesting beats with Spock than with Kirk. Derek? I have been bribed, as has been previously stated, so I'm I'm still I'm still pulling from my boy Kirk. Um also I'll just go to bat since we're including like all the various versions of of Spock through the the centuries. I, I can't stop laughing at the Zachary Quinto Bobby Hare in um Into Darkness. So I'm gonna I'm gonna hold that against Spock and and continue to voice my support for Kirk. Corey. Spock. Yeah, Spock, 100%. So it looks like Spock is moving on. I would have, for the record, given it to Kirk. Oh, don't worry, guys. Riker's still in there. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Same difference, right? Kirk may still win, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He doesn't like losing. So Spock uh, moves on to the third round, and James T. is gown. Okay, the next bracket is McCoy versus Scotty. So, starting with Kurt. Oh, I have to go with McCoy on this one. This is one of the few characters who got even better with the Abrams universe, but was somebody I already enjoyed in the original universe. So, with the combination of DeForest Kelly and Carl Urban, I have to go with McCoy. Derek. I don't see no point it is on your head, boy, but you (laughs) sound like a Vulcan. (laughs) Yeah. I love I love McCoy. I I think just for sheer historical importance, like he became an admiral in Starfleet. Like he's he 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 outlasted them all pretty much. I mean, you know. So I yeah, I I think it definitely goes to McCoy. 
Corey. Uh, I just love Dr. McCoy. Every version of him is just so great. I mean, I feel like I'm like not giving Scotty any love in this particular thing because he's a fantastic character, but like Dr. McCoy is just so great, even if he can't pronounce marshmallow. <laughs> Fred. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be McCoy. Like Derek said, he went all the way to Admiral. And I think like as a doctor, going all the way to an Admiral is kind of impressive. There has to be Admirals of the yeah, but healthcare system. <laughs> really? I don't know. Admirals, you're in charge of a fleet. like. <laughs> and then, uh, well, I guess that's an unanimous. I give it to McCoy as well. Uh, I know one of you at least mentioned... You know how Scotty got these great stories, but I will always hold the lights of Zetar against him. That and Star Trek V, where he's a <laughs> complete buffoon. Oh, Star Trek V, when he's like, I know this ship like the back of my hand, and knocks himself unconscious. Yeah. That is just the so worst. Grim. That is the low point of the movie series. Uh, so McCoy moves on. And it's fun, because he's going to go up against Spock. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Archer versus Flocks is next. Kurt. That's hard uh, because part of me is biased because I loved Quantum Leap so much <laughs> that I just think of Archer as being Sam Beckett, the next generation. <laughs> but Flocks is such a fun character. Oh, I have to just barely tip it over to Flocks because it. I have to look at it as just Star Trek. I have to take out my previous biases from from other shows and just look at it as two characters from star trek blocks fred yeah i agree it's kind of tough to take everything else out of context and just focus on star trek because enterprise was kind of a, a lull in in star trek lore i guess but i still think that Archer was like had a more important impact in the canon, so I'm gonna go for Archer. Corey. So first off, I want to thank Kurt for giving me a really fun way to enjoy Enterprise now, <laughs> because I'm absolutely gonna watch that. Like it's Doctor Sam Beckett leapt into Captain Archer's body. Oh boy. 100 more interesting now. The uh, answer for me is Flox. Uh, I just he's more interesting. He's more fun. He brings uh, some interesting color to the Star Trek universe. Archer's cool, but we've seen an Archer before. We haven't seen a Phlox, so Phlox it is. Derek? I'm going to lean towards Archer and and going back to the, you know, canon, the historical importance, because I'm like, I know it's kind of retroactive continuity, but I feel like he's like one of the founding fathers of the Federation. So I I don't know that I have a historical comparison for Dr. Phlox, but I kind of feel like Archer is like the George Washington of the Federation, so I, I kind of have to go with, with Archer. And that leads me to break the tie, and though I think Flox is a very intriguing, fun character, I think I agree with the Archerites. Uh, and who else has a dog aboard their ship? Come on. Come on. And he's very cute. At the least. dog or Archer? Well, I guess both. <laughs> both. Depends. <laughs> You know, whoever you are. I mean, Flox has all kinds of pets, just saying. And I mean, whenever, if Archer ever gives, uh, you know, like a quantum kick, you know, you, you cheer. <laughs> there is that Sam Beckett in there. <laughs> Speaking of dogs. So, uh, <laughs> Archer moves on. Well, this one might not be a big fight. Hoshi and Reed. And uh, we, we did talk about how ambivalent we were towards Reed. Derek, you start. Hoshi. Corey? Hoshi. 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 Fred? Reed, no Hoshi. <laughs> Kurt? <laughs> I'm going to go different and say Sato <laughs> rather than Hoshi. And that still makes her move on. I would also have picked Hoshi. This one this is pretty obvious. 
Okay, who's left in the mixed crews? Uh, Odo versus Jake. Corey. Oh, that's rough. Uh, Odo, yeah. I mean, he's just really cool. Does a lot of interesting things. And, you know, Jake has as much annoying time under his belt as Odo does. But Odo's annoying time at least advanced a storyline. So, Odo. Okay, Fred? Yeah, it's going to be Odo. Kurt? Odo. I think his his romance with Kira was one of the best romantic plots in all of Star Trek. So, giving it to him. And Derek? Odo braved the advances of Luoxana Troy and lived to tell the tale, so I have to give it to Odo. And I will make that five. Jake just was much more of a support player, and though I my self-loathing <laughs> comment earlier, I still do identify with Odo more. So Odo moves on. Uh, then we have Quark versus Garrick. This one's a bit tough, maybe. Let's start with, uh, let's start with Corey. Garrick, he's like one of my favorites, and Quark does very cool things. He definitely opens a window into the Ferengi, but from a overall overarching plot point, the Cardassians are a much more important species or antagonist or whatever you'd like to call them uh, than than the Ferengi ever really work out to be. The Ferengi, while not always just for laughs, were just kind of the special guest stars. They were never really integral to the uh, storyline, so Garrick. Derek? This one was really tough for me because I almost like both characters equally, but what tipped it over for me is... If I'm going to be honest with myself, one of my favorite Star Trek episodes of all time is In the Pale Moonlight, and Garrick is certainly no small part of that, so I definitely gave it to Garrick. Yeah, he's the snake in the garden in that one. Kurt? This is also really tough for me as well. I enjoy both characters so much for very different reasons. I think Quark is a lot more fun to have around. Garrick is a lot more intriguing. I'm going to vote for Quark, though. He has a whole lot more time devoted to him, so we do get to see much more development, I think, from him as a character than we do Garrick. Garrick is always the spy. We know he's a spy, but Quark gets to play both sides so much more. Hero, villain, a little bit of both. That's two to one for now, Fred. It's tough because these two characters essentially do the same thing for their uh, their species. Quark is the one who gives us insight and a third dimension for the Ferengi, and Garrick does that for the Cardassians. And I'm 90% sure that you're going to go for Garrick, so I'm going to give Quark a fighting chance and vote for Quark. Uh, well, you are correct. Uh, I will vote for Garrick. I think when whenever we got into a Ferengi-specific episode, it wasn't always the best, even sometimes some of the worst. And whenever we were in a Garrick-centric episode, it was always one of the great ones. So for me, uh, that has to be Garrick. So that's three to two for Garrick. He moves on to the next round. So we're denied an Odo Quark confrontation, I must say. Okay. <laughs> Chakotay versus Paris. Uh, let's start with um, let's start with Derek. Chicote, definitely. That's yeah, your guy. I, yeah, I that that's my guy. Kurt, this is kind of tough because they're both ones I voted against in the first round. 
<laughs> but I have to give the nod to Chicote for the groundbreaking, and I think he had more interesting stories when he was put in the forefront, which wasn't that often, as I recall. Fred? Yeah, I'm going to go with Chicote. You know, you mentioned earlier Tom Paris was turned into a salamander, so... <laughs> we 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 eliminated someone for that. It's only fair that Paris gets eliminated for the same thing. Oh, geez. Corey? I voted for Chicote in the first round. I think I voted for Tom Paris in the last round, too. So it's a little bit of a fight, but not much. Chicote is pretty cool. I mean, maybe he doesn't get put to use very well, and maybe Paris is a little bit more appealing in the eyes of the writers over the seasons, but I think Chicote always had uh, a really cool potential, and whether that was realized or not, I still think he's a better character. So Chicote. Well, I'm gonna vote for Paris. I'll be the one, the one voting for Paris because I still can't vote for Chicote based on the material they gave him. Big wasted opportunity. And uh, well, then Paris just got more love, as you say. I will say that I like how Robert Beltran was pretty upfront about <laughs> not liking <laughs> Voyager. <laughs> so so that's funny. But um, so Chicote moves on. No problem there. In the next bracket, we have Tuvok versus the Doctor. And we'll start with Kurt. Uh, I've got to go with the Doctor on this one. As I mentioned earlier, those were always... The Doctor-centric episodes were always my favorites and the ones I looked most forward to when I read TV Guide and, and saw what the, the basic plot was about. So, EMH all the way. Please state the nature of the medical emergency. Fred? Um, I voted for Neelix in the first round, but... Uh, that was just to give him some love, because the Doctor is an incredible character, and I will vote for him this round. Corey? Yeah, for a second, I thought it was going to be a hard choice for me, but then, like, instantly, I was just like, no, it's the Doctor. Why am I even stressing over this? He's such a great character. He's fun. It's because he's frequently played for laughs that the moments of pathos that he's given are so weighty and so heavy and really do something for Voyager that I feel like a lot of the other characters didn't do. So, uh, yeah, the EMH. I have stated the nature of my medical emergency, and I stand by it. Derek? EMH! EMH! That's the doctor. And I have to agree. So the EMH moves on unanimously. Sorry, Tuvok. We now move over to the next, uh, to the, the opposite side of the grid, where we find Cisco versus O'Brien. Do me right, kids. Fred. Ah, uh, yeah. Don't I, do that. Don't, don't hesitate. I might get kicked out of the, for, uh, the apartment for this, but, uh, <laughs> I'm, man, I love O'Brien. I really, really, really like O'Brien. So I'm gonna go for O'Brien, and I think I'm gonna be the only one, but I'm gonna go for O'Brien. You may not be. We'll see. Corey? These are actually two of my favorite Star Trek characters. It's not a difficult, because I think Ben Sisko is just so incredible that he deserves to move forward in a way that maybe Miles O'Brien doesn't. But that being said, I still adore Miles O'Brien and wish they weren't competing with each other in this particular moment. So it's a Cisco vote? Sure is. Derek? Again, in the Pale Moonlight is one of my favorites. Cisco is a large part of that. And just to further emphasize, you know, one of my favorite things about Cisco was when he left his baseball on the station. I love that. I don't know why. I just, I love it. It's like, this is a message. He's come back for this baseball. He's like, that's right. So yeah, I love, I love Cisco. It's a promise. Kurt. How much of a jerk would Dakot have been if he had just phasered that baseball? Uh, <laughs> anyways, even though I love O'Brien and obviously I love the O'Brien Bashir bromance, 
Cisco, you guys mentioned in the Pale Moonlight a couple times already, but just so much character depth there that we get to see compared to almost any other character on Star Trek. Uh, so, yeah. So Cisco moves on. You know my vote. Uh, all right. He voted for O'Brien, right? No. Well, it doesn't matter. Does it? <laughs> no. Uh, okay. Wait, wait. It's like the alternate universe is like Smiley's blog of geekery or whatever. <laughs> Um, well, let's uh, break up a couple. <laughs> Jadzia, Dax versus Worf. Let's start with Derek. I am not a merry man. Yeah, I, it's Worf. It's Worf. Okay. Corey? It's Worf. Uh, you know, I, I'm not ambivalent about Worf. I like a lot of his stories. I just got kind of tired of him. I never really warmed to Jadzia, Dax, so it's Worf. Fred? Yeah, it's Worf. Dax is a somewhat interesting character, I guess, but not as deep and as much of a character arc as Worf does. What about you, Kurt? Yeah, which is funny because, you know, I voted for Jadzia, but voted against Worf. But now I'm going to vote for Worf between these two. 11 years of character development, especially on DS9. We get to see him grow, and we get to learn so much about the Klingons through his story. Whereas I don't think we get much about the Trills and their their species and their society and culture, comparatively speaking. That's four to nothing, and let me add the fifth vote to Worf's tally. He moves on. Okay, uh, on the Discovery side of things, it's Lorca versus Burnham, much as the show was, in a way. Corey. Burnham. Oh, I think she's fantastic. I, just, I love her character. I unabashedly adored Star Trek Discovery, and I like Lorca a great deal, like, in terms of Every moment he was on screen, I was like, this guy's really exciting as a character on Star Trek. But I feel like Burnham's got so much more to give and has already given a lot. I mean, she's the main character and she's a mutineer. I'm all about that. So Burnham. Fred. Yeah, I don't think this is a fair fight because Burnham is the main character of Discovery and she gets a lot more development and she gets a lot more screen time and she gets a lot more of everything. She She's in every cool episode because she's in every episode. So yeah, Burnham. Kurt? Yeah, it's it's hero versus villain and this is the hero bracket. So you got to go with the actual hero of the show, Michael Burnham. And Derek? Yeah, Michael Burnham literally beats Lorca on the show, so I'm, I'm going with Michael Burnham. And that's unanimous. Saru versus Stamets. Is this much of a fight, Fred? Saru. I don't think it's much of a fight. Like, I, I earlier I said that I didn't like Stamets at first, but I did like Saru at first. Uh, so Stamets' arc doesn't compete with Saru's arc, in, first of all, and... Saru's a likable character throughout, so... Kurt? I fell in love with Stamets so hard after he became who he was, after the spores became a part of him, so I have to, to give it to Stamets. He's so much fun as a character. Okay, Derek? I, I think both character arcs are really good. I would put Saru's slightly above Stamets's, and also Saru has never set off my spider continuity sense, whereas the spore drive kind of does, so I, I, I would give it to Saru. Corey? Though I think Mushroom Stamets is very cool. <laughs> Saru is just, for me, he's like a next-level character. Like, we don't get to see characters like this very much on television, let alone in Star Trek. I just have 
a massive crush on that character from a story point of view. And I really want to see him go as far as possible in this bracket. So, Saru. And that would be a, uh, ends up a three to two in Saru's favor, because I was thrown it to Stamets. Saru has yet to charm me. So, moving on here is Saru. Okay, into the wild now. It's Riker versus Guinan. Kurt? Oh, Riker versus Guinan. They have a great scene together in one of the early episodes where Wesley asks for relationship advice or flirting advice. And between the two, I'm watching Guinan more than I am Riker. I think Riker, I'm probably going to be outvoted on this, but I always wanted to learn more about Guinan. I never really cared much about who Riker was and what he was about. He was so straightforward. I knew exactly who he was from pretty much the moment we met him, whereas Guinan had so much more mystery to her. I wanted to to know more about her, so Guinan. Derek? I'm going to stick with Riker, I think, and and I think one of the examples I might point to of a reason why is I love his boisterous personality. Like, I love how he can kind of charm an entire room and that one episode where they find the the astronaut that where the the planet read his book or whatever and the whole planet was the casino planet and they had to figure their way out of it like i love how the way the book ends is how you know these these magnanimous like wonderful dudes rolled onto the scene and gambled their way out of the place and there was the one guy you know Rekirk, who you know basically like overtipped everybody and he was the man so like i I, I sort of adore that and point to that as, as a, a reason why I would, you know, continue to support and bump up Riker. Corey? This is surprisingly difficult for me because I'm I'm not ambivalent to either uh, character, but uh, like Kurt was saying, I was always a lot more curious about Guinan, her species, her past. But then I found whenever they gave you little glimpses, I suddenly didn't care as much. Like the glimpses they gave us, I mostly didn't care for. I was happier with her being mysterious. And Riker said fire when his own captain was on a ship that they were going to war with. And that to me is so steely. And that's the moment where I was like, ah, Riker's kind of dope. So based on the best of both worlds, I give it to Riker. Fred? This is harder than it should be. Um, Right? Guinan is a very is a supporting character, right? Guest star. Yeah, she's a guest star, not even supporting cast. Yet her glimpses on screen are captivating. So it's tough, but I think I have to give it to Riker just because he's that all in poker player, you know. No holds bar. He doesn't do anything half ass. He goes all in and then chips land where they do, right? So Riker. And I'm giving it to Riker as well. One of the things I didn't mention earlier about my love of Riker is how every time he's given a tactical situation to take control of, he's always thinking outside the box. His mm-hmm. plans are always unusual. It makes him a little more like Kirk as well, I suppose. But even so, I think uh, I like his imagination when it comes to his job. Uh, anyway, Riker gets uh, four votes out of uh, five. And Kirk is still in. <laughs> Riker moves on. Data versus Beverly is next. Let's see what you make of this. Derek. I, I give it to Data. I, d- I didn't even vote for Beverly in the first 
you know, the, the first round. So for me, that's kind of like no question. I mean, you, you point to those kind of archetypal outsider characters, you know, you, you got the Spock, the Odo, the EMH, and I think Data, you know, certainly fits into that legacy, uh, you know, mode of all those different characters. And I think, you know, there's, there, there must be a reason why the whole Pinocchio type story speaks to people and, you know, viewing humanity through the lens of this android. And also, there's a lot to be said for Brent Spiner. I mean, you know, Brent Spiner has played the role for many years and, and he is a, a terrific actor. So I, I think on the merits of that too, as well, I'm, I'm also going with data. Corey. So in sort of the same way that I developed war fatigue, I did develop a, a data fatigue and it didn't go away through the course of the next gen movies, unfortunately. That being said, he is a pivotal character in this series and uh, his lens is the one through, through which a lot of stories are told. Beverly doesn't really get that kind of attention. So just from volume alone, I have to sort of give it to data. He brings more to the series perhaps than, than Beverly was allowed to or, you know, designed to. So it's going to be data. Fred? Um, well, when I was on, uh, on here earlier for the other episode I was with, you, um, I said that Data was my favorite character. Oh. So it's going to have to go to Data. Uh, I really like the, like his search for humanity throughout TNG, uh, I think is, is, is a super interesting arc. So Data. Kurt? Yeah. Data was, was always my favorite character on Next Gen. That's an easy choice there. Same here. I think he got a lot more to do and is a lot more important in the in the show and in Star Trek in general than Beverly ever was. So Data moves on. Let's see now. Uh, Roe versus Savick is our next bout. Corey? Ensign Roe, she's so cool. And Michelle Forbes is awesome. You know, like I like watching Michelle Forbes in anything she's in. Ensign Roe is just just really cool. Like she she brings a really nice uh, contrast to the other characters. So yeah, Ensign Rowe. Fred? Uh, Ensign Rowe. Kurt? Yeah, Ensign Rowe. That might have changed if they had gone with their original plan of making Savick the other Vulcan character in Star Trek VI and seeing more story there. But uh, Ensign Rowe had the more interesting stories from what we were given. Derek? I think I'm going to give some love to Savick, even though it's probably pointless, but I'll throw a vote to Savick. I think probably just because of my, I, I think I prefer the, the original series era Star Trek to Next Generation. So um, I'm just going to sort of throw my vote to the wind and, and vote for Savick. That's okay. <laughs> I'm going to vote for Roe. <laughs> so Roe moves on. And then the, there's a final bout in round two is Barkley versus Seven of Nine. Fred? Barkley. Yeah. Barkley. <laughs> Kurt? Holodeck Mad Barkley. Derek? Seven of Nine. Corey? Oh, man. I think I'm going to give it to Seven of Nine. I, she, you know, in the series, just was more pivotal, I guess, than Barkley was. Although Barkley is endlessly more entertaining. But I think for this round, I'll give it to Seven of Nine. And I have to agree with you. Oh. And I'm sorry. Give the third oh, vote to Seven. Ouch. Um, at this point, she's a, she's a series regular. She brings that unique yeah. perspective like Worf does, like other members of the, the yeah, other characters we've yeah. said. 
and Barkley is just a guest star. Yeah. I was totally getting I was totally getting worried there. And now I'm like In your face, seven <laughs> <laughs> All right, well we're moving on. Let's go right to it. It's going so fast now. Uh we'll uh we we're starting on round three. There were thirty two, there are now sixteen. Target that explosion and fire. Fire! That's getting down to the nitty-gritty. Spock versus McCoy. <laughs> the angel and the devil on uh, Kirk's shoulder. The, his two halves up one against another. Kurt, you get to go first. Uh, yeah, but which is which? Which is the angel and which is the devil? Well, one has 40 um, years. <laughs> <laughs> true. I have to go with Spock. I uh, mentioned multiple times the outsider archetype and... You know, Spock being the the originator of that archetype in this universe and Leonard Nimoy's performance from the very first episode all the way to right before his death. He is Spock. Derek? Yeah, I'll go with Spock. I mean, it seems like if if there's anybody, uh, you know, who's definitely immediately brought to mind when thinking of the franchise as a whole, you know, it's the Vulcan ears, it's the live long and prosper hand symbol, you know, so I'm I'm going to go with Spock. Corey? Yeah, no, it's Spock, without a doubt. It, I mean, if Kirk is gone already up against Spock, I mean, McCoy's not going to make it, right? I mean, you know, he's cool, he's fun, but he's a doctor, damn it, not a gladiator, so... <laughs> Spock. Do you agree, Fred? See, I prefer McCoy as a character, but I have to say that Spock is more important to the franchise, and Spock is... He is Star Trek, right? So Spock <laughs> makes it through to the next round, and uh, who am I to argue with that? Next up, Archer versus Hoshi, and uh, let's start with Derek here. I'm going to go with Archer. I, I've kind of been pulling for Archer this whole way through the the round, so I'm not going to stop now. I like I said, he's he's the George Washington of the Federation. You know, he's got the cool dog, and you know, never mind all the ancillary, you know, Scott Bakula love. So I, I'm going to go with Archer. Corey. Yeah, I'm going to go with Sato just because I'm pretty sure nobody else is going to, and I want to make sure she gets one vote in this round. Fred. Yeah, Archer is the Sir Johnny McDonald of the Federation. <laughs> to bring the Canadian. Let's <laughs> 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 <Straight> to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, so um I mean if anyone from Enterprises should make it forward to face Spock, I think it should be Archer. Kurt. Oh, Captain, my Captain. I'm going to give it to Archer even though I just voted against him previously. Everything everyone has said has convinced me that he belongs there. I was leaning towards Hoshi, but now it's irrelevant. Everybody convinced me I should vote for Archer. So, Archer it shall be. Who's next? Ooh. Odo versus Garrick. Corey, you start. Garrick. It's, for me, it's definitely Garrick. Uh, Odo's cool. Very cool. I like him a lot. Garrick never ceases to be engaging when he's on screen. There's never, for me, a moment when his story isn't super compelling, where there are moments where, like Odo, I wish I could just melt into a bucket when he's on screen. So, uh, not many, but they're there. Uh, and there are none with Garrick. So, Garrick. Odo is an interesting character. Garrick is a pivotal character, so I'm going to go with Garrick. Kurt? I have to give my love to Odo. You know, I have to mention René Aubergenois. You know, he is such a great actor, and I've loved him from 
from back in the Benson days and seeing him take on such a complex character with such an interesting backstory and so conflicted and everything. I I love Odo. Gotta give him at least one vote. Derek, it's two to one. This is definitely a hard one, but but I sort of went through this already in my own mental gymnastics, where Odo and Garrick both came up against one another in my own head thoughts, and, you know, Andy Robinson won out that one, so I, I, I gave it to Garrick. So that's three to one for Garrick. I would lean towards him, though I would gladly give my vote to Odo as well. I could have gone either way here. Garrick moves on. And in the lone Voyager bracket, well, not lone because Seven's in the other one, uh, Chakotay is versus the Doctor. Is this the end of the road for Robert Beltran? Fred? This is this is another one of those where uh, it's like an an important character versus a fun character. Like I mean, the Doctor is important, but not as important as uh, Chakotay. Really? I I think I don't know. Like I mean, he <laughs> yeah, he's important because if he's not there, then everybody dies somehow. But I mean, is it important that it's that Doctor? Is what I mean. But yeah, I'm I'm gonna vote for the Doctor anyways. Uh, Kurt, I've already mentioned my love of the Doctor multiple times. This is an easy choice for me. Doctor all the way. Derek, are you still backing your uh, your man? Well, I did go through these mental gymnastics already, and, and Chakotay and the EMH came up against one another. I mean, I think this comes down to the point where it comes down more to personal preference of character rather than, like, historical significance or, you know, the the, the kind of maybe larger importance, you know, culturally. So... And I do tend to agree with you that Chakotay wasn't necessarily all that he could have been on the show, whereas I think the Doctor as a character certainly achieved his full potential. So I ended up voting for the EMH in this bracket. All right, Corey? Yeah, Chakotay doesn't make it uh, past the EMH for me. Uh, I just think the, the character just does some very cool things. He's pivotal in Voyager, eventually returning home. You know, he's he's just fun and cool and played brilliantly. So, yeah, sorry, Chakotay, but uh, EMH for me this time. The Doctor moves on. The Doctor is in. Cisco versus Worf, one of the big characters. Uh, let's start with Corey. Cisco, easily. He's one of the most important characters in Star Trek. So, for me, that gives him the pass for Worf. I mean, Worf is one of the most important, I know. I'm sorry, I sound like I'm hitting on Worf all the time, but Cisco, easily for me. Derek? This is hard, but I, I ended up going with Worf, I think, just because I, I appreciate his journey as a character. I think Ben Cisco is super important to Deep Space Nine, but Worf has been important to the next generation and even some of the original movies as well. And I, and then again, I think it also comes down to like, it, it seemed like the more closer it got to these, the more it came down to just my gut personal preference. And and in this case, it, it would go to Worf. All right. 15 all. Uh, Kurt. Oh, well, I have to, to go with Cisco. I think Cisco made a better Klingon than Worf did in the one episode where Cisco disguises himself as a Klingon. <laughs> He's just, so much more of a character and so much more interesting and has so much more depth to him. Cisco. Fred? Well, for me, the toughest match against Cisco was uh, O'Brien. So this one, Cisco. Okay. Well, that makes it easy for me then. Cisco 4 to 1. 
he moves on uh, in the discovery bracket because it's pretty much now cut down to show by show. Uh, it's Burnham versus Saru. Let's start with Derek. Saru. I think he should be made not just the acting captain, but the captain. Like he he, he needs his own ship. Saru. Saru. Okay, gets the first vote. Kurt. Burnham. It's the first time we see someone. Well, I guess we see it a little bit with Paris, but with someone that is a criminal, even though they did what they thought was the right thing, and get to see them mix in with Starfleet and their ideals. Yeah, I think she's a more interesting character, and she's the lead character, so Burnham. Fred? I agree that Saru should be captain, but I think Burnham is going to be captain, so Burnham. Really? Yeah. We'll we'll see. That's not what I think at all. Corey? So, Saru tugs at my heart more than Burnham does. Um, His speeches, especially, the one speech uh, where he talks about when you know you're Starfleet or not, that one really hit home with me. Burnham is a very engaging character. She's possibly the better character, but just from an emotional standpoint, I really like Saru, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to vote for him. And uh, that forces me to break the tie. Uh, one of the things we haven't talked about about Burnham is her skill set, which I think is very, very interesting on a, on a writing basis, because Star Trek is big on technobabble, and Saru, in this case, is a science guy, a science geek, and that stuff just goes over your head and whatever. It's it's plot device. Uh, but Burnham uh, is also science, but anthropology, uh, ethnology, and she's working things out because she knows about the Klingon culture or trying to figure out that big monster's behavior. That's much more interesting as far as giving things to a character to do. I'm telegraphing it here. I am voting for Burnham, who will move on to the next round, three to two. I mean, even as a Saru voter... I feel like that's the right result. Here's where I uh, I might get sad. I don't know. We'll see. Riker versus Data. Derek, start us off. You may convince me otherwise, but my gut reaction was to go with Data. Corey? Data, I think. Fred? My favorite character, Data. Oh, shoot. <clears throat> Kurt? <laughs> I haven't voted for Riker yet. Data. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, I'm voting for Riker. Data moves on. Data will move on anyway if I change my vote, right? Yeah, yeah. So I'll, I'll just, I'll, I'll, I'll symbolically change my vote to Riker. Kurt, how about you start with Rolaren versus 709? Oh, Ro, I think, is the more interesting character. Uh, again, I wanted to learn more about her. 709, we did learn a lot about her during her tenure on Voyager, but I never found it that interesting. So... Even though Roe only has a few short appearances, I'm going to give the vote to her. Okay. Fred? Yeah, I voted for uh, uh, guest star against 7 and 9 earlier, and I'm going to vote for Roe this time. All right, that's two votes for Roe. Corey? I'm going to vote for 7 of 9. You know, she's a series regular. She's important to the overall story. She's important to the end result of the series. Roe is cool, but she doesn't show up as much and uh i guess for that reason i'm gonna choose to vote for seven of nine derek seven of nine she's a a borg survivor she definitely offers good counterpoints to captain Wrongway, and nobody makes my pupils dilate like seven of nine so it's gonna be seven of nine pupil dilation is a criteria then 
I'm going to vote for Roe. I'm going to upset this thing. <laughs> Michelle Forbes trumps, uh, you know, whatever I said about Barkley, <laughs> it's all up, <laughs> upended here because Michelle Forbes trumps all. So that's three to two for Roe. Roe becomes the dark horse in round five. I will comply. We're down to eight. And this one starts with Spock versus Archer. Fred? Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, it's Spock. <laughs> Kurt? Are we at all surprised that Spock is, is going to win this one? Probably not. Derek? I George Washington. (laughs) Yeah, I know. That's what I was like. I was like, well, see, what's weird is in my mental gymnastics, Kirk made it all the way, right? (laughs) So I'm I'm like sitting there going, well, Kirk's original series, and so Spock, so that should kind of trump Archer, but Archer literally made way more tears than Spock ever did on my mental gymnastics. Whatever, I'll just I'll be a dissenter and and go with Archer. Corey, Spock, and uh, so that's uh, three to one now. And um, I'm, you know I gotta give it. To, I think Spock, even though I kind of want to give it to Archer. So it's uh, Spock moving on, probably as he should. Yeah, I'm not I'm not upset about that. Yeah, the mixed cruise quarterfinal is Garrick versus the Doctor. So Kurt, oh that's tough because DS9 is my favorite iteration of star trek but the emh was was one of my favorite characters even though he came from my least favorite iteration of star trek but i think the character depth that we get in the doctor outweighs garrick's intrigue i mean he's he's definitely an interesting character garrick but i think we we get to know the doctor better and he's a more well-rounded character overall. The Doctor. Two votes for the Doctor. Derek? For Cardassia! I'm going to go with Garrick. Corey, still sticking by Garrick? Oh, I sure am. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think I... first Personally, I love a character that's sinister. I love a little bit of skullduggery. He does that, and he's also incredibly fun. And his relationship with Bashir is just really entertaining. So, yeah, Garrick. 100%. Fred? Um, I'm going with the Doctor on this one. I think uh, his growth in the the, the series, like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're reacting. Did to you me, just facepalm? <laughs> no, and I saw a facepalm. It's a oh my god, this is gonna be a even split. And yeah, I gotta decide. Yeah, uh, uh, and, yeah, Doctor. Uh, I like. I don't know. I I like that he overcame his programming. Like he he's supposed to be like a medical assistant essentially, and he became the sole Doctor for the entire ship. Andrew Robinson and Robert Picardo are two powerhouses as far as, you know, character actors who got to have, like, real meaty roles. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, this is very hard, but, oh, damn it. I mean, this is absurd, but I'm I'm giving it to the doctor. <laughs> no! Yeah. No! <laughs> yeah. I, I was kind of tickled by the idea that Garrick would work his way up through the hero bracket with, like, subterfuge and all this, like... <laughs> flammery but but you 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 cut him out you really surprised me i'm Uh, stunned what's nice about garrick is that uh i can use him in the villain bracket (laughs) (laughs) he'll be back i I shall return it's weird that the semifinals is spock in a hologram (laughs) (laughs) but two characters that have the same function on the show so interesting okay um next we have cisco and burnham Uh, let's start with derek Cisco. Sure. For sure. Corey. I lost Garrick. I can't handle losing Cisco, so I'm voting for Cisco. Fred. Oh, it's no contest. One season growth versus Ben Cisco. 
Kurt? Yeah, even if you compared season one of Discovery to season one of DS9, I would still go Cisco. Okay, so Cisco moves on. Obviously, he'll be my vote. <laughs> Data versus Row is our last bracket in the quarterfinals. Corey, take us out. Data. Yep, Data. Yeah, for a minute I was upset that I was voting for Data, but then I was like, no, I'm not disappointed by this. Yeah, Data, of course. Sure. Fred, we know your vote. <laughs> data. <laughs> Kurt. Data. And Derek? Life forms, you lovely little life forms. Where are you? Yeah, data. Yeah, I think even I have to give it the data here. That's unanimous. Which takes us to the semifinals. Yeah. Let's start with Corey and um, Spock versus the Doctor. Is it a fight? No. No, it's not. It's Spock. I, you know, I mean, he's... He's just everything in Star Trek, right? Like, he is the face of Star Trek. And Leonard Nimoy is, when he passed away, I mean, like, I practically wore a black armband for a week. You know, like, he's, Spock is, was my gateway drug into Star Trek. I was fascinated by him as a child. I thought, wow, this is amazing. And as much as I do love Robert Picardo, uh, he took out Garak, so screw him. Derek. (laughs) Spock! Yeah, Spock, Spock, Spock's my pick. That was a good impression. Kurt? How do you feel? How do you feel? Uh, it's gotta be Spock. I, as a kid, would pinch my ears together to try to make them into the point, to, like, train them into place. Spock was my guy until later iterations of Star Trek came around. It's Spock. Fred? Live long and prosper. All right. It's got to be Spock. I share Corey's feelings. When uh, Nimoy died, I broke down completely. I'm having trouble now. So there we go. Spock <laughs> moves on to... It's upsetting. Yeah, he moves on to the finals. This is the bracket I was dreading. I'm still dreading. I'm dreading looking at it. I think maybe we should just end the show now before <laughs> anything bad happens. <laughs> you mean you mean like Garrick getting kicked out? I... Uh... <laughs> It's no Romana. Okay, so Cisco versus Data, Derek. I'm going to go with Cisco. I did not really bump up Cisco in my mental gymnastics this far, but I really do like Deep Space Nine better as a series than The Next Generation. And I also think everything you guys have said about his, you know, his character arc, it's full, it's complete. He, he becomes essentially one with, you know, however you want to view the, the wormhole aliens, whether they are the prophets, you know, he, he definitely, it's almost like he successfully does what like Decker and Ilea try to do in the motion picture or something. Like there's a lot of like spiritual weight to his character and there's a lot of emotional weight and you know, the, the whole nature of him choosing to support, I don't know, like an entire religious nature of the Bajorans and and the wormhole aliens versus his own family and all this other stuff. So there's a lot of heavy things. And I, I think, I think ultimately like in terms of, you know, historical importance and, and preference here, I'm going to throw my vote over to Cisco. Kurt, captain, father, warrior, spiritual leader, prophet. I think he's talking about data. Benjamin Cisco. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That's two votes for Cisco. Fred, you're gonna you're um, gonna change the the way the data the is my favorite character, but 
I think Cisco is a better character, so I'm voting Cisco. That's three for Cisco. Corey? I was hoping he would vote for Data so that then I could vote for Data, so that then you could rescue Cisco, but that is not going to be the way of it. It's going to be Cisco for me, 100%. He's an incredible character. And Avery Brooks, if you haven't ever gone to a convention and seen him speak, it will blow your mind. Uh, I've seen him speak in interviews, and he's like this sort of... I know he, he plays jazz, and he's a jazz musician. It's He's like yeah. this philosopher. <laughs> it's, like... mm-hmm. it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. The finals are between Cisco and Spock. Very iconic, and the character we've been really throwing flowers at uh, for the past uh, few minutes. So, who will win? I don't know. I, I, I really don't know. Let's start with, um, at random, Kurt. Well, despite the check you sent all of us, I think... <laughs> oh, don't, don't cash that until the end of the month. <laughs> oh, <darn it. laughs> I gave my love letter to him in the previous round, so... Spock was Star Trek to me for so long when I first discovered the show. And I love DS9 and I love Captain Sisko. And Avery Brooks is a tremendous actor. But it's Spock. Of course it's Spock. He is Star Trek to so many people. Corey. If I do a mental exercise where I try to imagine Star Trek without Spock or without Commander slash Captain Sisko. It's far easier for me to imagine a Star Trek without Sisko than it is for me to imagine Star Trek without Spock. I love them both probably equally. I mean, if we're talking merit in air quotes here, I've got to give it to Spock. I don't lose a bit of sleep over that. I think Commander Sisko would give it to Spock. So, uh, yeah. Fred? Yeah, Spock is Star Trek. Derek? Spock! <laughs> uh, well, look, uh, let, let me just uh, tally this up, because uh, I, my vote is for Cisco. I voted for Cisco consistently. <laughs> and I voted against Spock a number of times. Yeah. You know, I, I think it's a bit overrated, really. Uh, let, me, uh, let me just, like, you know, just just make do the math, just to make sure. Yeah. Mm. Now, your votes count how many times versus our votes? Jeez. Wait. No, okay. It looks like it's Spock, but I, I'm going to check again. Recount. Just a recount. Just make sure. Make sure there's no hanging chads. <laughs> Wait, are, are you a super delegate? <laughs> um, well, after... Are you the Electoral College? Our four votes got us one vote for the Electoral College. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, even after the ballot stuffing, I'm afraid it is Spock. Spock is, in this moment, around this table, Spock is the greatest hero in the Star Trek universe. Congratulations, Mr. Spock. I have been, and ever shall be, your friend. (laughs) I don't think anybody can be violently against that. No. It doesn't seem like it should be controversial. Even people who find that Spock is overrated can still go like, yeah, okay. We get it. We get it. So there you go. Spock is the winner, and uh, we'll see later who actually guessed at our full grid. I'm going to give you a chance to pimp your projects, guys, before you go back to your respective planets. What are you working on? Where can people find you on the internet, if anywhere? Uh, Fred, you just started work at a radio station. Yeah. 
So uh, if you want to listen to French radio station, uh, you can find me on uh, cfbo.ca. There you That's go. That's the website for the radio station. And you do the morning show. I do the morning show. So, you know, if you guys on the West Coast want to get up at 2 in the morning and listen to French radio. <laughs> maybe they're still up. Yeah. Maybe you're still up. <laughs> Anyone who would listen to French radio, yeah. Corey, what about you? Working on anything? I got a couple irons in the fire. Uh, I, I'm you keep saying up. that. <laughs> it, 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 it remains true. <laughs> uh, one thing I'm going to be doing definitely is um, start a small uh, startup making ringtones out of Derek and Kurt's musical responses to questions. I think I'm going to make a mint. <laughs> I think it's a mar- an untapped market that needs to be tapped, and I'm the the guy to do it. But for now, the irons are too hot to touch. Too hot. Okay. Smoking hot. Okay. Don't touch. Cool. Kurt? Well, I actually just started my own podcast recently called Welcome to Geek Town, where I answer questions, in theory at least, uh, it's questions from non-geeks about geeky subjects, people who want to learn about comic books, sci-fi, fantasy, but don't feel comfortable asking their questions to their geeky friends because they feel they might be made fun of or ostracized or whatever. And so already got a couple of episodes in the can. One has been released. The other, the second is to be released this Thursday as of this recording. So should be already out by the time you hear this. Probably I'll be on episode three or four by that point. I think I'll send my dad your way. (laughs) Excellent. Stop bothering me, dad. There's a show for that. (laughs) So it's Welcome to Geek Town, that's the name? Welcome to Geek Town. Uh, the, the website, uh, you know, you can find it on iTunes or Stitcher, Google Play. So anyway, you can find it on those or it's www.welcome to the number two geektown.com. Very good. And Derek? The easiest way to find any podcasts I'm on is over on fanholspodcast.blogspot.com. There's plenty of specific shows and there's also kind of all-encompassing whatever we feel like talking about shows. So there's all kinds of podcasts there. And then um, if you like videos, I do a, a video web series called History of Comics on Film, and that's at hocof.blogspot.com. Well, Fred Melanson, Corey Drew, Kurt Onstadt, and Derek William Crabb, thank you. You guys can go your separate ways. Live your lives. Make them full and rich. I'll stick around for subspace transmissions, which are Star Trek news, a feedback on the last episode, and I'll be crowning the winner of the Hero Bracket Contest. So stick around. Pre-crisis, post-crisis, the ultimate universe, clone saga. Do your friends throw these phrases around while you sit and wonder what they're talking about? Do you want to get into comics, role-playing, sci-fi, or fantasy, but don't know where to start? Well then, welcome to Geek Town. Welcome to Geek Town is a podcast where I answer questions from non-geeks and geeks alike about various geeky subjects. What are the different timelines in DC? What makes the X-Men feared and hated when other Marvel heroes aren't? What's the difference between Marvel and DC, and why the turf war over which one is better? Learn the answers to these questions, and maybe your own, at Welcome to Geek Town. Available in iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and other podcast aggregators.
Incoming subspace transmissions. In Star Trek news, another round of award nominations that involve Star Trek Discovery. It was up for a Peabody Award for Excellence in Television Broadcasting in the Entertainment category, but did not win. And a bit more prestigious, the episode Magic to Make the Sanest Man Go Mad, that's the Harry Mudd time loop episode, has been nominated for a Hugo Award. In its category, it's up against Black Mirror's USS Callister, a Star Trek spoof, uh, among others, oddly enough, I rated neither episode all that highly. <laughs> uh, CBS has also said it would submit Discovery actors for the Emmys. <laughs> Filming on season two of Discovery has begun, and Gimme That Star Trek's policy against plot-related spoilers will remain in effect. Casting announcements are fair game, however, so I can tell you that the show's version of Captain Pike will be played by Anson Mount from Hell on Wheels, or you might possibly have had a fleeting thought about him as Black Bolt on the ill-devised and ill-fated Inhumans show. Uh, Stand-up comic Tig Notaro will play Chief Engineer Denise Reno of the USS Hiawatha. Not her first TV gig, she played a version of herself in the Diablo Cody co-created One Mississippi uh, that's on Amazon Prime. Speaking of Discovery, seems like Tilly dropping the F-bomb in Choose Your Pain caused some trouble for Space, Canada's science fiction-oriented cable station. The show airs before 9pm in most markets, so the episode broke the Canadian Association of Broadcasters' Code of Ethics, as well as its violence code. The penalty? Running an announcement twice last week about how they broke the rule. That's it. Space has abided by the decision. The news broke last week about two Star Trek films confirmed to be in development. A CEO at the Paramount Pictures CinemaCon said this, gave no real details, and no Star Trek film has actually been greenlit, but it looks like Paramount is going the cinematic universe route by releasing both the Quentin Tarantino movie and a Star Trek IV with Chris Hemsworth returning as Kirk's dad, possibly as part of a time travel story with Tarantino's separate from that. Either way, S.J. Clarkson could be the first woman to direct a Star Trek film as she's reportedly been tapped by Paramount to work on the Hemsworth film. Clarkson is mostly known for her television work, having directed Heroes, House, Dexter, Ugly Betty, Jessica Jones, and Collateral. And now that you've been waiting for almost three hours, the winner of the Star Trek Hero Bracket Contest with 43 correct answers out of a possible 63, it's... Mike Gillis from the Radio vs. the Martians podcast. Congratulations, Mike. Get in touch with me when you hear this, and it will be my pleasure to send some Fire & Water merch your way. Thanks for everyone who participated, and in fact, let's celebrate your comments and social media interactions as we get into the feedback. First, a bit of older business. Martin Van Weer uh, spoke out on the Borg episode, which was two episodes ago, says uh, that when it comes to recommending what non-television expanded universe Star Trek media in which the Borg make an appearance, he personally strongly disagrees about the Destiny books that uh, were mentioned. Goes on to say he wasn't very pleased with any of the extra-canonical Borg stories. Says, I really wish Pocket Books had left the Borg alone if they are not capable of writing stories with them. But last episode was uh, myself and Scott X talking about the two cities on the edge of forever. That is to say, the aired episode and Harlan Ellison's original script. Chris Franklin on this says, fantastic episode, fellas. City is my all-time favorite Trek episode, and I came to that conclusion long before I knew it was held in such high regard by hardcore Trekkers and casual fans alike. It doesn't hurt that it's my dad's favorite episode as well, and one of the few he still recalls almost beat for beat. I agree with all of your comments on the story versus the actual aired episode. Kirk making the sacrifice 
fits right in with the, the needs of the many, uh, with the needs of the few, or the one, angle that defined the kind of sacrifices the characters were willing to make by the time of the feature films. Nice link, Chris. Talking a bit about our own secret origins when it came to podcasting, uh, Ryan Daly is necessary is something that was said. So Ryan Daly, of course, responded. He said, just found the epitaph to my tombstone. Rob Kelly says, Scott X, the podcast find of 2017. I've never been persuaded by Harlan Ellison's belief that his story was gravely injured by the show's revisions. From the stuff I've heard, both on this show and other places, his ideas were brilliant, but the mechanics made it unshootable. And you guys highlighted some ways that they actually made things better on a thematic and plot level. Just hearing the audio clips from this episode made me want to watch some classic tricks again. David Ace Gutierrez says, that was terrific. Now I need to seek out this collection. By which he means the IDW graphic novel. Jack Bond says, A few years before Ellison's book, I ran across the script in an older anthology, six science fiction plays. One scene I remember is Kirk and Spock bringing down one of the uniform shirts in a bag to give Trooper an idea of what to look for. Ellison wrote that it should still be clean and bright, a symbol of the future in contrast to the depression around it. I could almost hear the Star Trek theme playing on muted trumpets while I read it. Interesting nuance. Uh, Iced D says, Have either of you read Final Frontier by Diane Carey? The framing story is Kirk contemplating his resignation after Edith's death. It's a decent book and a quick read. Should check that out. Shag says, While I've seen the episode, it's only been once or twice. I understand its significance in Trek culture, but hearing you talk left me with a thought. Everyone knows Harlan Ellison is a pompous jerk. It's just accepted as fact, and it seems to be easily excused. Like, when he's rude or controversial, people simply say, well, he's just being Harlan. Really? Why does he get off that easy? Modern writers have been known to torpedo their careers if they tread into insulting other creators, or anyone else for that matter. Why does he get a pass? Max Travers says, I'm pretty much with Shag on this whole Ellison thing. He always comes off as cantankerous at best, even if I end up agreeing with what he's saying. But he seems to get to be a jerk way more often than most people get to take a run at it. As for this episode of Star Trek, the televised version is better in just about every way than Ellison's, in my opinion, just in general, but especially in regard to it actually being able to be used as part of the series that it was commissioned for. A lot of complaints seem to be about how he would have done the whole series differently and not just this one show. You're right, Max, because there is a lot in the, in that original script that, you know, reveals things about Vulcan or... So there were some ideas in there that would have lasted longer, have had more of an impact than just that one episode. Brian Linton then says, Ellison's version does make me wonder how the City on the Edge of Forever adventure played out in the Mirror Universe. Has the Mirror Universe equivalent of this story ever been mentioned or depicted in other Star Trek media? Well, I don't think it has, but you can actually see this or use this as a pivotal point between one universe and the other. So if Aegis Keeler lives and the war, the Second World War is protracted and uh, the Allies lose it, then that might have led to the moral inversion of the Mirror Universe. So, food for thought. I guess in the Mirror Universe, well, there's no Mirror Universe version of it because... This is where the timelines diverge. Uh, Greg Arujo says, If Ron Moore is to be believed, an Edith Keeler appearance in Generations had been discussed. So this was controversial. In the 50-year mission, the next 25 years, the Star Trek oral history, Moore said, 
We talked about having it be Edith Keeler, but again, that got into the fact that the studio was so worried about continuity with the TV show, they didn't want it to be a fan movie, whatever that meant. Things have changed since then. At that point in time, on the television level, there was still a great fear of any kind of continuity or serialization and a worry that the audience would be lost. They had the same fear about feature films. People would be lost. They won't know who Edith Keeler is or care. They barely know who Kirk and Spock are. Well, be that as it may, studio from the past, we don't know who Antonia is either, So, nor do we care. So instead of having some people know and care, we have everybody not knowing or caring. And even some people being puzzled by it. Bad move. Also, if the studio was really concerned about continuity, there wouldn't be all the emotion chip stuff in there and Picard's family and... Uh, all of that stuff is from previous episodes. Uh, Tim Price says, big thumbs up for this episode. Frankly, getting runes and ruins confused alone could have soured Ellison on the TV version. Great stuff. Thanks, Tim. Now on Facebook, likes and shares from Aaron Bias, Billy Dunleavy, Brian Ng, Brian Cray, Brian Linton, all the Brians, Chris Franklin, David Fior, Derek William Crabb, Gotham Shoren of Pulp to Pixels Podcast, Jack Dower, Martin Gray, Max Romero, Max Traver, Patrick Delmore, Rob Kelly, who filled out his bracket uh, with a big red Kirk written across it. Rob is officially the one with the, the, the fewest points. Roger Preeb, Sean Emmons, Shag Matthews. On Google+, Plus, uh, got plus by the Hammer Strikes. Twitter retweets and favorites from Abel Mavada, Abel Pizzilla, Andrew Wall, Between the Pages, Captain Kirk's Dildo, Cindy Womack, Coffee and Comics, Comics in the Golden Age, who loves the show but also would like to see a time travel-centric episode. City on the Edge of Forever was only the tip of the iceberg for him, and he wants the rest of the ice, I guess. David Gutierrez, Dr. Geniordologist, Earth to Chris, F4U Corsair, Fanholes Podcast, Hulk Off, The Irredeemable Shag of Firestorm Fan, J. David Weeder, Joanne Nelson, Johann Gottlieb Fitched, Justice Trek the Podcast, Justice's First Dawn, Christados, Longbox Review says, uh, My theory about Ellison is that he wrote a crappy Star Trek story and knew it. But his ego wouldn't allow him to admit it. Max Romero of its Plastic Man, Michelle Hill, Rad Adventures, Rhett, Rob Kelly, creative of Digest Cast, Film and Water Podcast, Host of Sads, Pod Dylan, Superman Movie Minute, Treasury Comics and Mashcast, Scott X, Secret Wars and Beyond Podcast, Tim Price, Tim Wilcox, who predicted of this bracket that the final will be Kirk versus Picard and that Kirk will win. Oops. Tony Wolf, Trekonomics Trekbot, we welcome our robot overlords. Warlord Worlds, Willie Yarbrough, and Zoom Yukonori. As usual, let me remind you that you too can leave comments at fireandwaterpodcast.com or on the Fire and Water Facebook page or on Twitter with the hashtag FWPodcasts. Until the next episode, this is Siskoid reminding you to go boldly. <laughs>